Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money-saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Seattle Wednesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Andrew Marshy Marsh here as well. No Kerry Davis. Kerry, if you listened to the what? show yesterday, yeah, Kerry, he, he battled, man. He battled. He he fought through it. He played injured. Couldn't do it again today. He, he was losing his voice two days ago. I was shocked that he came in yesterday, but you know, fortunately for Kerry and and us as a show, he was he's able to rest today. Jamie for the first two hours, Danny Mack in for the final two. When Jamie goes over to the rink for Edmonton and uh, the Blues tonight for Bally Sports Midwest. Let's dive into last night's game. There's a lot to kind of break down, Jamie. I thought though that boy, I thought they were sloppy. I thought just if you just want to talk about a, a puck possession, just the just the puck possession, I, I thought it was terrible. I don't have an eye for it like you do, but I, I didn't think they won many puck battles. I didn't think they won on the boards. I didn't think their their passes were crisp. I didn't think a lot of their decision making was was good. I, I thought it was a mess last night. What did you say? Well, I didn't see it as a mess. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you this: the first period wasn't pretty. You know, you get out there and. You're down by two early. You managed to have a bit of a response, and I think that's what you're looking for. You wanted a response there, and you narrowed the gap to one goal. And then, of course, Winnipeg gets up again off of a sloppy play in the neutral zone. But it's unfortunate, too. So on the third goal for Kyle Connor, when they make the drop pass, I think it's Kasperi Kapanen makes a pass backwards. He really doesn't know that the defensive got to changed. Got and changed at that point. Mm-hmm. So he's moving the puck backwards. Now, ideally, in that situation, you want to move the puck into the offensive zone, regardless of who's on the ice or who's changing or whatever the situation is. Um, so that was a tough one there. That puts them up 3-1. to one. But I did feel like there was a good amount of pushback in the second period because if you look at the shots on goal, you know, going into the second period, the Blues were behind by quite a bit. And then you look at the second period, and out of nowhere, I remember you know John Kelly and I looking up and going, wow. Quietly, we've managed to not just catch up, but pass them. We were five, six shots ahead of the the Jets at that point. Mm-hmm. So you, you did have a good amount of pushback. Now the problem is, is you couldn't find the back of the of the net. You know, you just didn't have any. You just didn't have any offensive presence, uh, apart from, you know, Brandon Sod going, you know, bar down on that one goal, which was nice to see them reunited. You know, that's one thing that Drew Bannister has done very well over the course of his time here is in-game adjustments but overall you can't fall behind in these games 
That seems to be the common theme, is that the first period, it, it takes a while for this team to, to warm up. And if you look at the second periods over the last handful of games, they've all been, you know, better than the first period. But quite honestly, it, it's it's unacceptable to not be ready to start the game in the right way. And mm -hmm. last night, you didn't have Jordan Bennington in that. And I'm not pinning the blame on Joel Holford by any means, because, man, he made some friggin' great saves to keep this team into it. But you've been, to your point yesterday, Anthony, you've been heavily reliant upon good goaltending. Yeah. And in the games that you've won in a very similar situation as last night, Jordan Bennington was able to keep it at one goal or better after the first period while you found your, your game legs. And that, to me, is the biggest problem I'm seeing. It, you know, the execution and the turnovers and the sloppiness, you know, all of that, to me, is a result of chasing the game. Yeah. So when I see the team start poorly like that, that's a bigger issue for me. Jamie, what did you think of the uh, the first line last night? That was a big question after, you know, the Detroit game where, of course, Thomas, Cairo, they get they get sat and then they come out and play last night. What did you think of that first line? Well, let me ask you guys this. Let me let me reverse it right back to you. What did you guys think of the first line? Because I, I have an opinion, obviously, but I'm always curious to see what other people see in this game, whether it's the same as me or if they saw something different. What did you guys think of the response from the first line? I didn't think they were the best line, best line out on the ice. I thought your bottom six was probably better than them. I think there was a few moments in that game where defensively in their own zone they were hemmed into their own zone especially in that third period it, it, it that's a point in the game where you, you expect that line to regardless of how they're playing throughout the game to step up and uh, I thought they were they were spending too much time in their own zone in the third period I, I, th I thought the the whole uh, I thought there was just way, it was too, way too choppy the passing was way too choppy the decision making was not crisp. I, the the who was it that fired? What was it, Kapanen who fired it across the, the the ice there and got it picked off? I just there were there was just too much too much of that Perunovic not not strong enough on the boards. There was no you know the, the, how many opportunities did either a defenseman or forward have an opportunity to just lift the stick up, get, get a body on someone, and it just didn't happen. Jamie, the way you phrased it, I thought was perfect. They were chasing the game. They were almost behind right away. It's like watching, a, you know, a horse race, and one horse came came screeching out of the freaking post, or the, uh, you know, the whatever, the post position, and then the other horse was just trying to catch up the entire time, and it it didn't look smooth. I thought Holfer made some really good saves at times. There was also some, you know, opportunity. I thought honestly it could have been a five-two game, quite frankly. I mean, at one point blank off a turnover. I, I th they're they're playing like a like they're an average team or a below average team, and I maintain that if they don't get outstanding goaltending in the first ten minutes of a game, you're susceptible to be to, to losing. I don't know if I, I'm sure the players don't feel that way. I'm sure the players feel like they're 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 ready to go. They're sharp. They're they're ready, but it just feels like. They feed off the confidence of the goaltender, and if they get if they get down one nothing, it's almost like it's it's too too big of a hill to climb, and it's very frustrating as a fan. Yeah, I can see that. Now, you're you're right in what you're saying. 
But when I watched the game last night, and in particular the Robert Thomas Buchnevich Kairu line, it's one of the better games they've played recently. That was the most direct that they've played in I don't even know how long. You know, they created five or six scoring chances before the end of the second period. Uh, Robert Thomas had four shots on net after two periods. Pavel Buchnevich obviously gets a goal out there, so they're producing offensively. Jordan Cairo had a better game. So for me, yeah, am I, am I going to anoint them as the best line in the game? No, but I wanted to see the response. That's the biggest thing is what's the response? Is it drag your lower lip and be, you know, woe is me? Or is it step up your game and try to do more? And I felt like they did that. Mm-hmm. That Honestly, that's the most direct that line has played in a long time. It was very north-south. Did they get a little bit adventurous in the third period? And they tried, Yeah, because they're chasing the game. Yeah. So now you're, you're trying to make you know, something out of nothing out there, and, and that's when you find yourself to be in trouble. Uh, you know, last night I felt the fourth line had a great game. I thought Oscar Sundquist, Nathan Walker, and Torpchenko were difference makers. Now, they don't have the offensive finish that some of your higher-end guys have, and it would be nice if they did because I thought they controlled a lot of the play in the offensive zone and were really good on the forecheck. I liked the Braden Shen, Brandon Sod, and Jake Neighbors line. I thought they played a pretty solid game. Mm-hmm. But then it was a tough game for Kevin Hayes, mm. for Kasperi Kapanen, and even Zach Bolduke. Uh, you know, you're starting to see, and this isn't on the young man as far as Bolduke is concerned, but what I'm watching up there is I'm watching a hockey player that's thinking constantly, thinking, 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 like, should I be here? Should I be there? It's almost like he's thinking so much of where he should be on the ice that he's not letting he's not letting the horses run. Yeah, And that's part of his unique ability. That's why he got drafted. That's why he scored over 100 points playing junior hockey is because he lets the horses run. Just go. And I think that there's been a lot of attention paid to his 200-foot game, his 200-foot game. Anthony, I've said this before. You know I have, and our listeners have heard me say it. I don't want him playing a 200-foot game. You're crippling players like that. Mm-hmm. When you need those stallions to go and score you goals, now they're worried about picking up the back door or stick on the ice and taking away the passing lane, which is fine. I get it, because that's what wins championships. But I'd like to see you know, Zach Bolduke be able to just kind of let loose and just go play a little bit. But that line struggled last yep. night. It was a tough night for them. And I don't know if you're aware, Anthony, or if they've, you guys have discussed it in the office, but there are some lineup changes for tonight. Casper um, Kapanen is coming out of the game. And Nikki Alexandrov will go in in his spot. And on defense, Scott Perunovich is coming out. And Tyler Tucker will be inserted into the line. Mm-hmm. So I look at Scott Perunovich, and I see a very talented player that can walk the blue line with the best of them in the NHL. He's very um, evasive with when he's got the puck. But in the defensive zone, he's got a lot of work to do. And last night, the, the fourth goal that really put them over the edge was a forecheck by Sean Monahan, And Perunovich goes into the corner, and you can tell that he's hearing some footsteps. And he kind of veers away from the puck and lets the opposition get the puck. And then about a second and a half after that, it's in the back of your net. Yeah. It just can't happen. You've got to make sure at that point that, one, you're getting in front of that guy and you're getting to the puck first, or you're getting to the puck and you're just eating it. Take the hit along the wall and then wait for teammates to come and help you. Uh, but those are just little mistakes that are happening right now, and they're costing the Blues the game because it's it was still 3-2 to two at that point 
The game was well in reach. Right. When you make it 4-2 to two against a Winnipeg Jets team that's pretty stingy, that makes it pretty difficult. Jamie, I'm just curious. Uh, obviously, the game, it was 4-2 at this point, but uh, you mentioned it on the broadcast, the, the shift length of that top unit when it was 6-on-5. They were out there for, like, over three minutes. What were, what were your thoughts on that? Did you think maybe they should have changed things up? Well, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Um, but this is a direct result of your roster mm-hmm. at this point. You know, there, there was a couple whistles in there, so they managed to get a little bit of a breather. But you've got your six best guys on the ice, and you're playing them three, three and a half minutes at the end of the game. Well, how much juice can they possibly have mm-hmm. at the end of it? No. Yep. no matter how many whistles there are, you don't get a true break. But it, it, this is a direct indication of your roster because – that just shows that the coaching staff looked at their bench and said, yeah, we're better off with uh, tired guys than, <laughs> than what we have here. Yeah, not great. I, I think to me that tells a bigger story. Well, the Blues have another shot tonight. They'll take on the Edmonton Oilers at 7.30. So we'll have a 6.30 pregame for you right here on 101 ESPN. Again, Blues turnaround is quick. They play back-to-back nights after falling last night to Winnipeg. They're not the only local team to fall. The Cardinals just fall, fell to the Mets in Miles Michaelis's spring training debut. We'll tell you how he did and get into some other Cardinals-related topics next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Cardinals lose today 3-0. They fall to the New York Mets in Miles Michaelis's spring training debut. He went two innings, allowed two hits, struck out one, didn't walk any in, in a solid iron. Now, I didn't have an opportunity to, to focus in on Miles Michaelis and how he looked, so I'm just going off the box score. I'll be completely transparent with that. But, hey, two innings, two hits allowed, one strikeout, didn't walk anybody. Fantastic. Miles Michaelis, Jamie, as we know, is coming off – an, uh, an extreme up and down season horrible april great may horrible june decent july it was the the roller coaster from hell for miles michaelis it has kind of been like that for his career when he first came to the cardinals his first season excellent then when injuries started to take take holds the ups and downs started to come in my question to you would be, what, what, what's, your, what's your expectations for Miles Michaelis this year? It could be a st- like a, a stat projection. It could be just a, an expectation for, from just a, a, the, the overall season. What's your expectation for him? What are you expecting? Well, I, what, if that's what I'm expecting or what I'm wanting, probably the same thing. Um, I, need, I need Miles Michaelis to be what he was two years ago. That's all. I, I don't need more. I don't need an ace out of Miles Michaelis, but I need to know that when I hand the ball to him every five, every five days, that I don't have to hold my breath. Yeah. And wonder what kind of version I'm getting of Miles Michaelis. Last year was, you said it best. Anthony, it was a roller coaster. It was crazy. He was all over the place for Miles Michaelis. There are some games where he didn't get out of the second inning. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that's prideful about. You know, being an innings muncher, him and Adam Wainwright, you know, they have the competition each year who can pitch more innings, sure. which is great because you want that so that your bullpen isn't exhausted like it was last year. Mm-hmm. But 
I never knew what to expect last season. I, I, I need to feel like I know exactly what I'm getting from Miles Michaelis. If it's five, six strong innings, um, yeah, I don't care about the strikeouts. I don't care about any of that. I just I, I got to see him get through five or six innings each start. Yeah. I know they're going to look different. I know that some days it'll be two runs given up. Some days it'll be four runs given up because that's just the way it is when you're when you're a guy that pitches to contact, sometimes the contact can hurt you. Mm-hmm. But I need to know that when he gets the ball, I, I'm pretty sure what I'm getting out of him. Yes, yeah, last last season, 201 point, 201 a third innings. The year prior, 202 and a third innings. The innings were not the issue last year. Like you said, innings eater. The yeah. fact that he allowed 226 hits, which was a career high, that was an issue. The extreme lows mixed in with the extreme good starts, that was an issue. You know, a whip of 1.3, completely unacceptable. He cannot be knocking on the door of a 4-8 ERA if the Cardinals are going to have success this year. I don't expect him to have a 3-2-9 ERA like he had two years ago. Certainly would be nice. But even sub 4.5 would be okay. He's got to get into that 180 to 200 innings range. He's got to be available. He's got to keep the walks down. And he can't allow 200 and some odd hits. Other than that, what else are you – What? this is why I'm asking realistically. What, what are you expecting? I'm expecting – a more even performance out of Miles Michaelis from April through hopefully October, you know, or through September in the regular season. Because last year was so extreme, so odd. It was almost as if you were watching somebody that, you know, was slightly unlucky, but also was probably pitching over his skis in, in the months of, in the month like of May. I think we're going to get a more even performance out of Michaelis because last year was so extreme. Yeah, but you need, here's what you need for Miles Michaelis, Anthony. He has to be your number two starter. I mean, he has to be. Look at your rotation right now. You got yeah. Sonny Gray, who's at the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. And then you have Miles Michaelis, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, and Steven Matz. Steven Matz to be determined. Hopefully he stays healthy and he's productive. Great. But Miles Michaelis, out of that group, would you agree or not agree that he has to be the number two? He, he Absolutely. Yeah, because you you can't expect Lance Lynn. I mean, I, could he could Lance Lynn be your second best pitcher in the road? I, I I don't think you have to squint very hard to say. Yeah, I could see that. But if you're if you're stating it like you just did, who do you expect to be the number two in that rotation? I agree, Jamie. It's Miles Michaelis. It has to be for me. And, and again, it's it'll be a pleasant surprise if Lance Lynn or, or Kyle Gibson or Stephen Matz, if they're all right there hovering around the same numbers as miles michaelis that's a good problem to have but right now because because you didn't really get another high-end starter for your rotation miles michaelis has to be your your next man up after Sonny gray yeah and he he will not be if the numbers match what they did last year and that's when you're gonna have a big problem because now what do you do Mm -hmm. you're gonna have issues yeah big ones this all goes back to i think i think it was the balloon party that was talking about well what if what if Sonny Gray gets hurt? What about the rotation now? My, honestly, I know that Sonny Gray is your, your number one. No matter who gets hurt, if somebody were to get injured or, or somebody 
has a horrible performance to the point where you have to remove him from the rotation? My answer is going to be the same to that. You better have you better have developed one of these young guys. And I don't really care if it's Zach Thompson or, my, or, or Matthew Libertor or one of the younger guys in Tink Hens or Gordon Graceffo or Michael McGreevy or one of the guys that you got last year at the trade deadline. Jamie, if Miles Michaelis does not perform well or gets hurt or Sonny Gray gets hurt or whoever, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, Steven Matz again, you have better you, you better have an internal option that is ready to, to enter the rotation and not solidify it, but at least cement his role. Again, whether it's Zach Thompson or somebody else. There's not going to be a trade to be made that is going to be better than your, than your internal options, in my opinion. This is not a year where you go to the John Lester, Jay Happ route. I know it worked out, but you did that because you were, you were worried about breaking some of the young arms that you had in the, in the minor league level. So you, want to, you wanted a veteran to eat up, two veterans to eat up those innings. Two guys that won't be around beyond that season. So they got Lester and Happ, and it worked out. You got on that, that winning streak, great. To me, this, that, it is not the time where you do that again. You have to start building a rotation that features guys that grew up in your minor league system or you just acquired and put in your minor league system. You have to have one eye on the future, in my opinion, when it comes to the rotation. Yeah, I, I agree. But who is it, right? Like, I feel like we talk about these guys, but I feel like every year the gap stays the same. Like, last year I felt like we were talking about Graceffo and McGreevy and all these guys, but they're knocking at the door. Internal competition. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Matthew Libertor. Like, where's his name at this point? Like, I'm anxious to see, you know, ultimately what they do with him. I see him as a bullpen arm. But, you know, so – I have to see progress from these young guys that you're talking about. Yep. Like, like Graceffo, McGreevy, or hence one of those three names has to be a conversation piece towards the end of spring training to where it's like problematic about what you're going to do with this player in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like we don't really have room in the majors for them, but they're pitching too well to send them back down to AAA. Like one of those guys has to be a topic of conversation come the end of spring training sure. or you're in trouble again. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie had noted that the, at the end of the first segment that the Blues are making changes to the lineup tonight. The question is why? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're right back to the 
Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We mentioned this at the end of our first segment today that the Blues are going to make some changes ahead of tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers. And Jamie, for those that missed it, why don't you go ahead and run down that again before we get into uh, the other question, which is kind of important here. Yeah, so tonight the Blues are inserting Nikita Alexandrov back into the lineup and uh, Kasperi Kapanen will be sitting out and Scott Perunovic coming out of the lineup for Tyler Tucker. So those are the changes tonight. Two, oh. two changes, and Jordan Bennington will be your starter. There you go. All right, so, Jamie, the other the, the, the important question is why now? So and I, I know, I know Jamie, that you, even though you're around the team a lot, you, you still, it's not like you're a part of the, the coaching meetings and things like that. So the best of your ability, why do you think that Drew Bannister is making these changes? Well, in the one instance, when it comes to Kasperi Kapanen, let's just go back a couple of games here now, he's – He's kind of taken away ice time two games in a row. He demoted him down a line, then uh, benched him for an entire third period. And then in the last game, unfortunately for, for Kasperi Kapanen, he's, he's minus three in that game. He, he's, he only played nine minutes and 22 seconds. He ended up minus three with no shots on goal and one hit. So I'm sure Drew Bannister's looking at that going, I need more. Yeah. And in fact, Drew Bannister did talk to the media earlier this morning, and he just said, you know, Kasperi Kapan is a, is a talented player that can make a difference for our team, but right now he's just not. And the expectation is that you, you, know, you pull your weight, and if you don't, then there will be a lineup change. So for Kasperi Kapanen, he'll have a, a seat in the press box tonight. He'll be probably pretty prickly about it, which well, good. he should be. Any pro athlete that you know, has to sit and watch his team play because of performance reasons, should be prickly. And, and that's what I want. And, and he will be. And, and I, I think we're going to get a better version of Kasperi Kapanen, you know, moving forward. I think he's just hit a little rut here. Uh, but he is a good player. He works hard. He's fast. He struggled offensively this year, which really I think has gotten into his head a little bit. And I think that there's times where he could create more offense, but he's choosing other things just because he's not confident right now. Yeah. So we'll see if they're able to build back that confidence for for Kasperi Kapanen in their lineup. The the Perunovic situation's kind of interesting, right? Because we we we've talked about Perunovic, and I don't know. You haven't done this. I think you have been very open and almost trying to trying to provide perspective for fans that say, "Well, isn't Perunovic just a carbon copy of Krug?" No, he's not. He's not. Maybe from like an, a, a size and athleticism standpoint, sure. But he's not. He's not Krug. And, and Krug has struggled too, right? Krug has, has his issues. But if we're just talking about like the Perunovic-Krug comparisons in a vacuum, they're not. Not the same player. What now for Perunovic? You go, you're, you're being taken on the lineup. What, what do you think the Blues either need out of him or – Bannister wants to see out of Perunovic to ensure that he starts to develop quickly here. I know he's a young player. I know he's had the injuries. But I, I almost feel with Perunovic, similar to Dylan Carlson, where it's almost like things are starting to pass you by a little bit. What do you think they're trying to trying to get out of him? Well, I think they want more consistency. 
and I think that the tough part for Scott Perunovic is because of the injuries, he's never really provided a runway for himself to really get a big number of games in under his belt to kind of see where, you know, where he's at and where his development needs to go because it, because it's so patchy as far as the games are concerned, you're always just kind of holding your breath, hoping that he's not hurting or that he's not injured. And then you're, you're kind of just happy with what's provided because it's just a small sample size. I can't really push because, you know, he's only played two games here. Mm-hmm. We got to let him get back into a rhythm and, and things like that. And so it just, and then for some reason that there's another setback, another injury. So you start again from right from square one, where you got to start build them up again, let it kind of go. It's just tough for both the team and it's tough for the player in under those circumstances. But the team ultimately needs Scott Perunovich to be able to drive the offense. And, he does to a certain extent. Like, you watch him play, and when he gets the puck in the offensive zone, like he almost always makes good plays. He makes good passes tape to tape. Uh, when I say he's evasive, he protects the puck well, and he he's elusive too because he'll drop a shoulder, make a guy kind of bite, and then buys himself another three, four feet of ice and then finds an open guy. So all of that is positives. Where he he needs to improve is, one, directing pucks to the net. He doesn't shoot the puck nearly enough. I mean, not even close to even warrant a guy going up there to take away the shot lane. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter where he is on the ice, he's looking to pass. And if he's right in the middle of the ice, he'll find a pass down towards the wall to another player who's wide open. It's a great pass, but it produces nothing. Yeah. The best play in those moments are Scott Perunovich shooting the puck. And, and this is why Drew Bannister... You know, he, he de- designated two guys to be in front. He wants Oscar Sundquist or Jake Neighbors, whatever power play units up there, be right in front of the goalie for this very reason, is to put pucks to the net. So I, I think he passes up too many shots. And then defensively, he's learning. And, and unfortunately, he's learning on the fly in a league that really guys shouldn't develop too much. There's always – you can put the finishing touches on it. But he's also developing – and learning in a league that's really good mm-hmm. with big guys. And this is where the size kind of hurts him a little bit is in the defensive zone, you know, he's not he, – he hasn't mastered yet the the caginess of a veteran guy. So even although Tory Krug's a smaller guy, one, he's built bigger. He's broader shoulders, bigger legs, bigger frame, uh, so he can compete a little more physically with guys. But he also has experience in his back pocket because Tory Krug has been in the NHL for – however many years now, and he's always been the same size. Yeah. So he's figured out over the years what he can and cannot do in order to defend properly. And usually that's when you can kind of polish up your game to not take shortcuts, but, you know, figure out what works for you. Scott Perunovich hasn't had that luxury. He's been in the NHL for a couple of minutes, basically, because of his injury situation. And defensively, he's not big. So battling guys or boxing out in front, all that, like all of this stuff is very, very difficult for a smaller guy, yeah. and especially a smaller guy who doesn't have the experience or the caginess to think of ways to do it or tricks of the trade to get an advantage out there. And I think that right now that's really hurting him in the defensive zone, and the Blues can't afford to be giving up one goal a game to where there's a situation that could have been defended. Right. Blues 
play again tonight. They'll be in Edmonton, 7.30. The puck will drop. It'll be on TNT tonight. You'll, of course, hear it on 101 ESPN and the Blues Radio Network. Pre-game starting at 6.30. Again, right here on the Blues Radio Network, 101 ESPN. We have What's Trending next in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Line here on 101 ESPN with Anthony Stalter and Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Gentlemen, City SC. Lost last night, 1-0 to to the Houston Dynamo. They are now out of the CONCACAF Champions Cup. They played three matches. They took down Houston in the first one, 2-1. to They tied with uh, Salt Lake, 1-1, and then lost yesterday, uh, 1-0. So only two goals were scored. I'm sorry, uh, three goals were scored in those three games. But now they're done to start off this second year. Uh, just first kind of thoughts of of what maybe uh, you you saw um, and how do you think they'll fare in the regular season? Well, I, I think that's it. We pack it in. You know, we start trading <laughs> off all our pieces. We sell, we tank, we want to get better draft picks. I mean, there's no hope for this team. I mean, what? We're three games in. Like, we're done here, right? Right. No? Yeah. Sorry. That was my hot take. I liked it. Yeah. No. Um, I, I don't know what to to make of this team yet. I don't know if I expected them to be CONCACAF champions or not, just uh, this early in the season. I don't know. Uh, to me, to me, it doesn't look like a team that is connected yet. And what I mean by that is last year when they played their, their press, that they call it, like they were on their game. Yeah, It was a very I didn't connected. The chemistry was there. You could just tell that each player knew what the other one was doing and that they had a very clear idea of what the plan is. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't now. It just doesn't look the same for me. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to generate more offensively, too. For, for my liking, you got to generate more offensively, at least more opportunities. You can't spend another season just relying on Roman Berkey to make the saves. I mean, literally, it's like the Blues and, and City SC kind <laughs> right. of mimic each other to where it's Jordan Bennington or Bust or Roman Berkey or Bust for, mm-hmm. for their team. And I, I think both scenarios are, are tough for teams to win consistently that way. So I... I I think they're going to figure it out. I just think it's really early still. Well, the other factor too, guys, is like they had that great season, that incredible inaugural se- inaugural season when they had all that success and all that momentum and all that excitement. Typically, expansion teams are horrible, and you look for little victories along the way. And I know, and I, I again, I realize that there have been other other franchises in the MLS, other expansion teams in the M- MLS that had success in their first year. Okay, I'm not saying it never happens. I'm saying it's rare that you watch a season like City just had in their first season. You look for little wins typically along the way, and you try to build from there. Instead, they came out like a bat out of hell, and we're so excited, and we should be, and we rallied around the team, and we had all these high... So the expectations start to change along the way. I don't think it's insane to look at them in their second year and say, okay, we might have to take a step back from our expectations, 
and look at this as a second-tier team, which is exactly what it is. Not surprising that it, you know, it it's not going to be as smooth as it was a year ago. Guys, we're used to seeing Major League Baseball managers be ejected, right? It's it's nothing new. We see it a lot. Uh, however, last night in the NHL, Sheldon Keefe of the Maple Leafs, their head coach, was ejected against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, Jamie, I saw this, and I couldn't help but think of you, and you've played under some uh, some intense head coaches in your playing days. Have you ever seen or been a part of a team where the head coach was ejected? And what is that like? Like, I feel like we don't see that a lot in the NHL. Yeah, you used to see it a little more often. Um, you know, things have changed quite a bit now with with each game being televised and streamed and, you know, things that happen. Organizations certainly have discussions with their coaches to try and be on their best behavior as much as possible. But I remember coaches throwing things on the ice, throwing water <laughs> bottles on the ice, picking up sticks, throwing them on the ice. And, you know, Roger Nielsen put a white towel on the end of a hockey stick and waved it like he was waving the white flag like he gives up. <laughs> the referee's so bad, we give up. And so there are a lot of things that happen. And, um, you know, even for me, I remember coaching in, in the minors and getting tossed out of a game one time. And it wasn't ideal, I can tell you that because we were playing in in this this rink in Arizona and there was no way to get to the bench except for to go on the ice so for me to be ejected from the game I had to get <laughs> off the bench and walk straight down the middle of the ice to the Zamboni doors <laughs> uh, like Corey Perry style <laughs> I was yeah I was spitting fire to say the least but yeah it, look at it it happens every now and then I don't know why it happened with Sheldon Keefe I, I think that Here's what I can tell you what I hear out in the hockey world from outside sources from the Maple Leafs is that, that he gets kind of whiny with the refs and he just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And the refs, not that they don't respect him, but, you know, they don't they don't view him as a long tenured NHL coach. So they're quick. They're quick to throw the extra two minutes at him. And last night, the official was really quick to throw him out of the game. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he just was a lack of respect, or maybe it was just something that the Sheldon Keefe said. Because there there are two words that when you put them together and you say this to the official, you are guaranteed to get cut to get tossed out of the game. What are they, Jamie? Yeah. No, we're not going to go there, Anthony. <laughs> All right. Our listeners can use their imagination. All right, fair enough. It's kind of like watching a movie that all of a sudden ends. And it's up to you to interpret what mm. the ending means. Do you have you any go. in mind? Hmm. I have one that comes to mind. What what comes to mind for you? Like Shutter Island. Okay, yeah. You're like, whoa. Oh, did he? Yeah, uh, did did, well, did, did he, did he figure it out? That, uh, did he figure it out? <laughs> Inception's a great one. Mike Ryder Inception. just said Inception in my ear. Yep. Blair Witch Project. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. You ever see it, Anthony? No, I have. Didn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't. The ending. I wasn't a fan. The <clears throat> ending was good. Like the way that they shot yeah, the I, ending. But, uh, the whole uh, movie actually kind of made me nauseous. Yeah. Almost mm. like I. It was almost more like annoying. I had than um, what do you call that? Motion sickness. Yes. I agree. Because of the way they filmed it. Yeah. But I did. I was intrigued. I puked three times, but I bowed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be sick. I'm going to still watch it, so though. Good. Right. 
They're going to show these witches. I know it. <laughs> I've got to see it. Where are the witches? Where's that little girl in the corner? <laughs> there he is. Uh, guys, I found this to be interesting. Um, Dan Graziano, senior NFL uh, national reporter, came out on uh, ESPN and was talking about how the NFLPA, they, they do this survey every year, and this is conducted from August to November, makes up um, you know more than 1,700 players. They participate in this survey. And there's different variate like different varying things that go into the survey, not just based on like the team itself and like the roster, but like, you know, there, there's the head coach, there's the the ownership, like the training facilities, all these different things. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who just won their second Super Bowl in a row, they were graded the second lowest in the NFL, only ahead of the Washington Commanders on this annual report card based on these various categories. Do you find that to be surprising or do you find that to be more interesting given that, you know, and like I said, facilities, yeah. the ownership, how much they're willing to invest in players and whatnot. Does that shock you based on the results that we have seen on the absolutely. field? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, they do. Because when you talk about winning three Super Bowls in, since 2019, you talk about like the culture, right? How, how the players... We we just we just come to assume that the players are treated a certain way, the coaching staff treated a certain way, and that the Kansas City Chiefs are are, are the model or are supposed to be the model. So for the Chiefs to be ranked thirty first, that that's that, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. I, Jamie, I always go back to what you talk about with the Detroit Red Wings in the two thousands, the team that you played for. Yep. And Mike Illich in the way that he approached every player and said, and I'm using your words, let me know what you need so that you don't come back to me later and tell me why we didn't win a championship. Tell me what you need. And, and Illich, right, he would provide whatever that may yeah. be within reason. Well, I mean, I asked him for a Rolls Royce and I'm still waiting. Like I said, yeah. within reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he didn't think I was valuable enough. Well, Jamie, you know, maybe not a great uh, investment. Mm. At that point, well, me or the car, uh, the car, Jamie. Maybe yeah. you'll get yeah. half of the car. Watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, which let's... half of the car would you like to have? <laughs> I don't the front, think about the that. front half. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the front. Oh. Uh, by, by the way, this is this is from the. See, uh, I, I don't mind. I'll, th I'll take the back seat, Anthony. <laughs> well, <laughs> this Good is call. this is from the from the article. It says Chiefs owner Clark Hunt ranked last out of 32 team owners. Those grades were based on what players perceived as willingness to invest in the team's facilities. The Chiefs ranked 26th in the food slash cafeteria category, 31st in nutritionist slash dietitian category, that's ridiculous. 31st in training room, and 32nd in training staff. Yeah, that's it's, huh. that's ridiculous. And the Chiefs players what? apparently they were promised after the 2022 season, Jamie, that the locker room would be renovated. It wasn't, according to the NFLPA. Players were told their Super Bowl run extended the season so long that the team didn't have enough time in the off season to make renovations. That's that's crap. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's that was 2022. I, I agree. That's a, it's not unacceptable. You win, but now here, someone's got to have a voice, right? The voice is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes just has to get out in front of it and say, hey, listen, um, guys, we need this fixed. Or I don't or take another snap. Like, <laughs> no, or I'm just going to just start doing like behind the scenes videos, just shooting for my own social media and showing people how bad it is here. Yeah. 
and I'll make fun of the facilities. And what are you going to do, cut me? Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Right. So fix it. Yep. Now, I, I would be curious to see where the Chiefs ranked when it comes to uh, family members of the ownership family. Because there are a few family members that I think would be ranked pretty high. I would think so, too. Yeah. Like, they're really good individuals. They seem really nice. They care. They're smart. Yeah. It's Fastline on 101 ESPN. That was what's trending. Are agents to blame for the current state of certain MLB free agents? That's next on 101 ESPN. Oh, it's the owners. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Despite Cody Bellinger coming off the free agent market last uh, last weekend, you still have Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman are free agents. Premium free agents that can absolutely help teams. Cardinals should sign all three of them. I agree with you, Jamie, but uh, I don't think they will. Should we blame agents for the state of MLB free agency? Agents specifically like Scott Boris. I, I don't think so. I, I don't. Th- Jamie, you and I have talked about this. I don't think the reason. And I, know, I think Stephen A. Smith was the latest, and he's not the only one to kind of throw out this notion that 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 MLB owners or MLB GMs are just tired of dealing with agents like Scott Boris, so they're just not going to sign their clients. I, I don't think that... Could they be tired of dealing with him? Yeah. Is that is that the reason why Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, and Matt Chapman are, are free agents? Not in my opinion. I think it's Major League Baseball being so top-heavy that if these guys want to play for contenders, legit contenders, they may have to take less than what their market value indicates. Cody Bellinger is an example of this. Could he have gotten five years and I don't know 150 million from from a, a, a team another team? Probably. Would it be a contender? Probably not. I think Major League Baseball has gotten to the point where these players, most of them, want to play on the West Coast or want to play on the East Coast or want to play in a big market, want to play for a contender. It is narrowing their list of teams, and then you have ten teams that aren't really trying, that don't spend, or they're trying but they're the Rays. And they're not going to spend. the 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 target for for big free agents is a lot smaller than we think. That's my opinion as to why those three guys specifically remain free agents, not their agents. Just my thought. Yeah. So <clears throat> we might be speaking the same language here. I'm not sure. So hear me out. Is it and, uh, Swahili? Uh, no, no, no. I gave that up. I'm onto a new one. Okay. But uh, always challenging, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Um, No, but I do blame the agents. But hear me out. Okay. I blame the agents for not recognizing what the true market value is for their client and what their true talents are. And here's what has happened. Whether it's Scott Boris or Agent XYZ, it doesn't matter. But Jordan Montgomery, two seasons ago, he was fine. 
He was fine. He was so fine that the Yankees deemed him expendable because they didn't see him being a playoff pitcher in their rotation. Mm-hmm. So the Cardinals picked him up, and he pitched very well for the Cardinals. Closed out the season very well. Then the start of last season was a bit of a roller coaster. And now ultimately Jordan Montgomery ended up pitching fine for the Cardinals, but then he went on to pitch great after he got traded and won a championship. So if I'm out there and I'm a team right now, I have to be thinking, is Jordan Montgomery all of a sudden great? Or is Jordan Montgomery the guy that we saw for years with the Yankees and then for a season and a half with the Cardinals to where he's good? Mm -hmm. Because if I think he's great, then I'm going to pay him that money. And he's going to be one of the first pitchers off the board because he's great. And our talent evaluators and every other team thinks he is great. He is obviously not viewed as a great pitcher. And so what happened is that his agent priced him into great pitcher market. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened to those great pitchers? They were scooped up right away, the ones who who truly fit the bill, at least according to – those teams are telling us. This is not my scouting report. The teams, the the top-heavy teams, the teams that can afford players like Jordan Montgomery and and these guys, Blake Snells, those teams didn't deem – Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell, great. They viewed them as good, but they're asking for great money. So therefore, that's why they're still sitting at home. Is their agents have made the mistake of, you know, sample sizing little bits and pieces and now, you know, putting that out there of like, these guys are great. They're not. Blake Snell doesn't pitch past the fifth inning. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Everybody knows it. And it's just a matter of time before that blows up. So you want to be married to a Blake Snell deal to where it's, let's say it's six, seven, eight years or whatever the hell he's looking for, and he can only pitch five innings now, what's he going to look like in three years? Yeah, three Four innings. It, maybe, right? <laughs> like, so that, that's why I think the agents here and the players have made a huge mistake is you have to recognize that the big portion of the league won't spend or can't spend the money you're looking for, mm-hmm. and the teams that can don't deem you good enough for that amount of money. So that's well, where the miss is. Right. And let's expand that, Jamie, because I think it's a, it's a really, really good point. If you look at the league, and I'm going to pull up last year's, last year's standings, the, the Royals, the A's, the Nationals, the Marlins, the Reds, Pirates, and Brewers, the Diamondbacks, and the Rockies are not, and the Rays are not going to spend. Uh, the same goes, and I completely skipped over the Central. The Twins, the Guardians, they're not going to spend. I don't know how many teams they just threw out there, at least eight. They're not going to spend. Okay, so th- so push those aside now. Then you have these mid-market teams like the Cardinals who kind of get caught in between. We can pay for certain guys, but we're probably not going to add a ton of money when we've got Arenado's contract and Goldschmidt's contract and Contreras' contract all in our books. It's not the same level of the Phillies or the Braves or the Dodgers, but for the Cardinals, they're not going to spend, you know, 75 to over 100 million on five that five guys they're just not there are other teams like that in major league baseball the mariners are are one of those teams i think the red sox right now are one of those teams they're they've been a big spender before the orioles aren't going to shell out 
They may spend a little bit, Jamie, to, to protect their own guys, keep their guys in-house, but we're not talking about teams that are going to shell out. Okay, so now you can eliminate those teams. Now let's get to the ones that you were talking about, Jamie. The Phillies have already shelled out a bunch of money. The Dodgers have already shelled out a bunch of money. The Padres have already shelled out a bunch of money. The Mets, learn, learn from their, their mistakes, they're not going to shell out a bunch of money, at least right now. Braves, same deal. Rangers won their World Series a year ago after shelling out a bunch of money. The Yankees have been more prudent. The Blue Jays have said, ah, we're kind of tapped. What we have right now on the roster needs to win. Then you're Blake Snell or you're Jordan Montgomery, and you say, hey, I'm ready to pitch for you. And they're looking right back at you and say, hey, we've already got our team. We'll, we'll sign you, though, for three years, uh, 100 mil or 120 mil. No? You think you're worth more? Okay, no problem. We'll go get it someplace else. That's the state of Major League Baseball right now. Uh-huh. If you had a cap, it'd be a little different because you know then what teams are, are have the cap space to spend. It doesn't guarantee they're going to spend it, though, no, Anthony. No, you it know, doesn't. You have the cap floor that guarantees that they have to spend a certain amount, but even right. a cap team, like look at the NHL, there's teams that are well below the cap, and you know they're not adding No, right. just because they have cap space. Yeah, go chase yourself, so, like, Arizona. Again, this is... Uh, yeah, no kidding. Again, this is on the players and the agent, both of them. Because what good reason is there that Jordan Montgomery should not have at least resigned with Texas? Right. There's not one good reason. He was their number one pretty much there. He was pitching like their ace. He was their guy. I, I believe he got the ball in game one of the World Series championship. Did he not? I believe he did. I don't know how it lined up with the AL, ALCS. Matter, Anthony, but... Is it a fact or not? I don't know. Let me check it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the case, it, I'm not actually dying on that hill. I don't care if he got the game, the ball in game one or he, game he, two. He got the one point of them. is, he was there. Mm-hmm. So that marriage should have been automatic to where a week into it or a month into a free agency, he goes back and says, you know what? I'd like to come back here and run it back with you guys. I'll take a little less, you know, whatever. But the Rangers even said, yeah, we're good. Right. We're good. So, like, what is it that we don't know? And I'm, I'm not saying it's anything nefarious, like they're bad guys, or because I don't believe they are. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that, this isn't you know, no, bad. No, not bashing the guys. They're just, they've priced themselves out of their competitive market. Yeah. They priced themselves like Otani and Yamamoto. And these guys that were available out there, yet they're not those guys. Right. Right. So that's the problem. Game two, by the way. Yeah. Nathan Evaldi got the ball game one. You're always right. I, no, you asked. You asked if it was no, a I fact. I didn't really ask. I said it was kind of, a, I said it's kind of irrelevant. You said, is it you know? a fact or not? It's not a fact. I'm sorry, Jamie. And then I said, I don't really care if it's game one or game two. Okay. I'm just going to rub my nose in it. I'm sorry. You're the guy that like four hours after the dog poops on the carpet, you take the nose and rub it in the poop. because no, you think no, I'm not. Anthony's I don't a, even own a dog. Anthony's the type of guy that waits till you get home, Jamie, for you to clean. This is why. That's their kid. That's Jamie's kids. Oh, we established that last week. <laughs> Jamie's kids would do that. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, Andrew oh, yeah, Marsh. They stared at it, pointed at it, even guided me to the right spot. Yeah, let me show you here, Dad. This is uh, this is what you need to clean Dad, up. Look at that. It's, it's over here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Let's dive back into the Blues. Frustrating game last night, to say the least. Want to talk about Zach Bolduc. Also, the, Marsh brought up the, this with Nick Letty and his time off the ice and what happened, what transpired there. So we'll get into some of the some of the Blues-related topics from last night's game next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
about 10 minutes. We're going to do Prove Me Wrong, so you can start sending in your Prove Me Wrongs to your comfort service text line at 314-399-9646. Again, we're going to do Prove Me Wrong in about 10 minutes. The Blues lose last night to the Winnipeg Jets. Let's start on a positive note. Now, Jamie, you did highlight some of the things that maybe were lacking in Zach Boldu's game, or, or the fact that he's just he's kind of thinking through it, which is typical of young players. You know, they start to think more, and then the more experience they get, the more they trust their instincts and trust their eyes what they're seeing, and then those natural abilities can kind of come out more. But what have you seen thus far, even in a small sample size, out of Zach Bolduc? A tremendous amount of talent there. He's way faster than I thought he was, and boy, can he shoot the puck. Like He can really shoot the puck. Look at last night. He got the puck there in, in the third period, and – he dropped to a knee and took a quick one-timer and like four feet of in front of the blue paint, he put it up under the bar. He hit the crossbar. Yeah. I, I, it was unbelievable. Like, I would say that out of all of the Blues forwards, he probably has the best one-timer out of all of them right now. And that includes Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Pavel Butchnevich. He just, it's a talent that's unique to the individual and he can bring it. Mm-hmm. He's got great speed. But again, for me, and, and this is natural. So let's back it up a little bit. Zach Bolduc was a, a really good offensive player in the Quebec Major Junior League. And now the different junior leagues have different things about them. And one thing that is not true, but is thought of for the Quebec Major Junior League is a lot of the forwards who are high-scoring guys, there's not a lot of defense in their game. And so to correct that, the Blues wanted to make sure that they don't just throw this guy into the NHL and let him run wild, and then you have a player that has no idea what defense is or a 200-foot game. Sure. So to correct that, they put him in the American Hockey League, started him in the third line, I believe, and and Drew Bannister, who was his coach at the time, and the rest of the coaching staff really focusing on developing his 200-foot game because they're, they're playing the long game with this one. And I think what you're seeing right now is a player that's very, very, very aware of of having to play a 200-foot game in order to get his opportunity in the NHL. And you can see it. The wheels are turning constantly. Like, he's looking around the ice. He's shoulder-checking. He's pointing at teammates, like, wondering, like, should I be here? Or I've got my spot. or yeah. And all of that is great. It, it shows me that there's an awareness from the player. There's a willingness from the player. Uh, and it just shows that he wants to be the best version of him as, as he can be. What I'm excited, though, for is... Moving forward, like at the moment when, like the shackles come off, like that moment when Forrest Gump is running with those things on his legs, and they bust off, and then he is running and he never stops. <laughs> so that's the moment I'm looking for from Zach Bolduke is where he just sheds the gear mm-hmm. and is like, "Let's go." I'm confident that I can play defensive hockey but I'm also really confident that I can bring it offensively for this team. And that'll take a while. And he's nervous right now, and he's trying to fit in, and he's trying to help the team win. The team isn't winning, and it's it's a tough spot for a young guy to be in. Jamie, do you think he does a good job away from the puck? I know you mentioned when uh, he, he fired that shot off, and we saw that when he scored his first goal against Detroit. He's finding open ice and anticipating that puck coming from out of the corner. Is that something that he can build upon? Is that something that the coaching staff is, when you talk about going back and looking at the tape, is that something that they're pointing out like, hey, we want you to keep doing this? 
I don't even think you talk to him about it, quite honestly, because I think those moments are where he's at his most natural, to where he's doing things that just come to him uh, right away instinctively. Like coming off the bench in Detroit and hustling, that's a smart hockey IQ move. Found the open ice, got it, and the moment he got that puck, he knew where he was going with it. Mm -hmm. No hesitation, no thought process. It was on the tape, off the tape. It was in the back of the net. And last night, same thing. He was in tight to the blue paint, kind of drifted off a little bit, you know, just very naturally, instinctively found the quiet ice, got the puck and rang it off the bar. So if I'm the coaching staff, maybe I put two or three or four of those together when I'm having a video session with them and maybe we're going over some defensive things. Maybe I cap it off by saying, hey, look at this though. Look at these plays. This, this is the stuff we need from you. This is the stuff that you bring to the table. Great job finding quiet ice. Great job shooting the puck here. You know, end your video meeting on a positive note by identifying what he does well. But I just think he's doing it by just that this is natural ability. Jamie, last night, um, Nick Letty gets hit in the face with a puck. Uh, That can never feel good. He was bleeding, went off. Uh, Then, well, the Jets ended up scoring uh, when he was off the ice. Is um, Is that something that we should look more into or is that just uh, something that happenstance? He's out. He's off. He's off the ice, and you know they they capitalize on that. You know what? What did you see from from that moment? Yeah, I, I think we saw pretty quickly how valuable Nick Letty is. When you lose Nick Letty or Colton Parake or Justin Falk or Tory Krug right now, what are your options? You know, like that's what that's what I looked right away. And Nick Letty's had himself a very solid season for the blues he skates the puck so well and the moment he came back the very first shift he got the puck and made an uh, an unbelievable stretch pass up the ice you know the billiard play up off the wall to i believe it was brayden shan to get in had a great scoring opportunity like, he's a very valuable piece of the of this defense core and if he's out for an extended period of time you really don't have a replacement that's the thing like people want to trade nick letty they want to trade colton pareko you don't have a replacement for either of those guys just based on the fact that how well they skate and how well they break out the puck for your team. It's almost a clean breakout every single time. And if there's nobody open, they just carry it out of the zone. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you got a pretty good view of what life would be like without a guy like Nick Letty. And it's not great just because you don't have that replacement. So I was glad that you know he wasn't seriously injured. It sucked. He got some zippers in the mouth and... I don't think he lost any chiclets or any teeth just yet, but sometimes there's an aftermath. That happened to me one time. I got hit in the mouth, and like three days later, two teeth fell out. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing? Like, and they just fell out? No, I was just eating. And then you start <laughs> eating your own teeth. Oh. It was brutal. <laughs> I'm not joking. I was eating, and it's like, then they like collapsed inside, and then you're still chewing at the time. And then you're, <laughs> and you're biting your own teeth, and you're spitting them out at the restaurant, and you know, children are crying and women are puking. <laughs> not, not pretty. <laughs> so you want to be a hockey player, huh? It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Prove me wrong next. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. All right, here we go. We are in the uh, Honorable Judge 
Andrew Marsh's chambers here, or the courtroom, for Prove Me Wrong. This is where you throw out a statement, and Jamie and I need to uh, defend the other side of it. Judge, take over. All right, gentlemen, from the 314, Prove Me Wrong. For the Blues consistently having to sell at the deadline year after year, it is only pushing back the timeline of being a competitive club again because you're trading away your best players for draft picks that's going to take three to four years to even see the NHL team. Uh, put, I'll push back immediately on this. Selling year after year after year, they, only, they were only sellers last year. Before that, they were contenders. They were te- they were buying at the deadline. Let's go back to 2018. You were buying players at the deadline. 2019, you had the team that you liked and you bought one last piece, which was Michael Delzato to make sure you had the depth on the blue line. I don't remember a bunch of people leaving during that time. I don't remember a bunch of people leaving the following season. No, you were happy with your team. There's been one year in recent history, one year where you were a seller and it was last year because of obvious reasons. You had some contracts that you weren't able to extend or re-sign those players, and you wanted to get market value for those guys so that you could speed up this retool. Quite honestly, I think the way they're doing it is speeding it up. You've already got Zach Bolduke playing NHL games. People are already talking about Jimmy Snuggerud maybe getting NHL games this year. Dalibor Dvorsky will get NHL games next year. Look at Matthew Kessel this year, thrown into the fire, played great for your team. Joel Hofer in between the pipes. I don't think that is slowing down the development of this team, let alone the retool. So, unfortunately, I have to disagree strongly with that opinion. Good job, Jamie. Well done. On that Canadian Wi-Fi, too. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's superior. (laughs) From the 217. <laughs> Probably frozen. Yeah. There's been moments. <laughs> From the 217, prove me wrong. Yamamoto is an overpaid two or three starter. I happen to think that the Dodgers know uh, a thing or two about acquiring talents that will pan out. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. Uh, if you want to go back in, you know, in time here for just smaller deals like Justin Turner or Max Muncy, who did not grow up in the Dodgers organization. If Yamamoto was signed by the A's, then we can say, you know what? You probably misfired on this one. But when the Dodgers do it with their scouting, they pay their scouting staff more than any in Major League Baseball. Their scouting staff is incredibly deep, by the way. I think they did their homework on this. They don't typically just throw money around like the like the old Yankees or we've even seen some of the previous Red Sox teams do. The Dodgers are calculated when they bring in talent like this. You're nice. right. I hate that you're right, though. Me too, honestly. Mm. From the 314, prove me wrong. Jake Neighbors is more valuable than Jordan Cairo. So hang on here. Prove you wrong that Jake Neighbors is more valuable than Jordan Cairo. So, Anthony, you'll have to help me through this. It, I would have to argue that Cairo is better than Neighbors, right? Correct. Is yeah. more valuable. Good luck, Anthony. Is more valuable. Well, when you're talking about Jordan Cairo, first and <laughs> foremost, I don't. I don't remember how many fastest man at the NHL All-Star Game Awards that uh, Jake Neighbors has won. 
I don't remember Jake Neighbors getting a big contract, like an eight for eight. I don't remember Jake Neighbors being a point per play, uh, uh, point per game player. We're getting better, you know. I don't yeah. remember Jake Neighbors doing what Jordan Kyrie does. Anthony. Thirty-seven goals. I don't remember there last time Jake Neighbors scored thirty-seven goals at the NHL level. I know we're all piling on Jordan Cairo. I, I know that my client here, uh, you're surprised that he could lace up his skates, let alone score 37 goals. But it is a fact that he's done that. And those skates, by the way, did produce one of the the biggest individual awards that you're ever going to see at the NHL level. Fastest man. No offense to Jake Neighbors. Good player. But my client, Jordan Cairo, deserves a lot more respect than what we have given him. Yeah, and Anthony, if I can piggyback Please. on that as your, as your number one chair here with yeah. the council, um, is that uh, Jordan Cairo has consistently produced 70-plus point seasons. And if you look at someone even like Braden Shen throughout his entire career, those numbers have been elusive even to a great player like that. So, although Jake Neighbors is having a very good campaign, for the Blues, he's going to be a 20 goal scorer. That's not 37. Mm-mm. He might be a 30 or 40 point player. That's not 70 plus points. So, although we love Jake Neighbors, and one day he'll probably wear the C for this franchise, we can't get mixed up here in our talent evaluation. We rest our case. You're not going to like this, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Jamie. Way to go, co counsel. The yeah, ceiling. The ceiling is much higher. Which it wasn't the case, though. The case was... No, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. And I'm agreeing with you. It, it didn't seem like that for a split second. <laughs> and I with you, Judge. Okay. Uh, from the 636, here's a good one. Prove me wrong. John Mosellock knows better than us. Oh, really? John Mosellock knows better than us, huh? Did he not trade not one but two aces for Marcelo Zuna... Who couldn't find the wall, let alone catch the ball as he's going back to it? I'm sorry. Did we give up Sandy Alcantara and Zach Allen in the same damn deal for Marcelo Zuna? Did we trade Randy Rosarina, the Babe Ruth of the playoffs for several years, for Matthew Libertor, who we still don't know whether or not he can be a starter at this level? Huh? Did we sign some of the crap over the last couple of years? Did we sign even a good player in Willis Contreras not knowing that he could actually catch? I don't remember Jamie Rivers doing that. Or Andrew Marsh doing that. Or me doing that. Um, not great. No, not great indeed, Mo. You give us a shot, we'll find more GMs and president of baseball operations that are hammered, like Mo did the one time for Arenado. We'll find those GMs that are ham-sauced on some Woodford Reserve from dirt cheap, let's get dirty out there to make deals, good deals, that Mo has passed on. Here, here. Judge, arrest my kiss. Anthony, that was fantastic. I mean, <laughs> how can I argue with that? that Nobody was great. Is. Everybody was, everybody at home was doing their own prove me mm-hmm. wrong on that mm-hmm. one. Well, he's better than us. Yeah. What the hell? Everybody wanted the ding on that one. Yeah. Uh, this was that ding. Day. This one, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, from the six one eight, this one seems very, very specific, and it's uh, definitely interesting. So I want to see what you guys come up with. Uh-oh. From the six one eight, prove me wrong. Denver 
We'll cover the seven and a half spread tonight versus Sacramento. Oh, you mean the Sacramento Kings that have been outstanding as an underdog this year? You mean the Sacramento Kings that are 29-27-1 against the spread overall and 18-12-1 on the road this year? That Sacramento King team? Sacramento Kings that have played much better than anybody thought they would? That Kings team? Seven and a half's a lot, guys, in basketball. Sure Seven is. and a half's a lot. <laughs> Seven and a half. You know, a lot of us mm. would appreciate a good seven and a half. Well but, said. But not tonight. Actually, we'll take the seven and a half with the Kings. They're going to cover that easily. Hmm. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> and whoever texted that in, good luck, good baby. Luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Let's get to uh, keys to victory tonight and first goal of the game for the Blues and Oilers next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tonight, the Blues and the Oilers will square off in Edmonton starting at 7.30. We'll have the pregame for you right here on 101 ESPN at 6.30. Jamie, keys to victory tonight. Keys to bouncing back for the Blues. Yeah, so some of these are going to be pretty obvious, and I think that a lot of the listeners could have this, the, the keys to the game tonight too, is you got to have a much better first period. You have to be ready to go. So key one, better first period. Key two, be ready at puck drop. I mean, you have to start on time tonight if you're if you're the Blues because that Edmonton Oilers team, uh, they remember not too long ago getting their butts handed to them in St. Louis and losing six to three. Mm-hmm. And Connor McDavid, although he had a good game, he was he was ticked off after the game. He was hot under the collar, uh, not happy. So I can guarantee you that he's going to be ready to go tonight. Uh, and the Oilers overall have been playing really well. So. You know, if you're the Blues, those are a couple of things you got to look at. One, puck management, limit turnovers. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers, if you turn the puck over at any of the blue lines or even at center ice, you're screwed. They're going to turn and burn. We saw how quickly they move up the ice. Uh, stay out of the penalty box. Their power play is absolutely deadly. Evan Bouchard is playing really well on defense with them right now, along with Zach Hyman, who's a machine in front of the net, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid. So many weapons available for the Oilers, and you just can't give them those opportunities. So those are just a small list of the keys to the game for the Blues. But I think, you know, ultimately Jordan Bennington here might be the biggest key to the game. You know, if Jordan Bennington can get uh, some good defense in front of him tonight and, and limit the high danger opportunities, he can steal you a game, even if you're not at your best. But I would hope, hope that this Blues team has a response. I know they can't be happy with the way things have gone here recently and with guys being benched and then guys being healthy scratched and things like that happening. It feels like there's been a bit of a negative vibe around the way they've been playing. If I'm part of the team, I want to try and change that. And a big win over an Oilers team certainly helps you do that. What are you expecting tonight from Tyler Tucker? Now he's back in the lineup. Some physicality from him. Should we expect maybe a fight or just... Just hard-nosed hockey in front of the net. Yeah, I would just like to see a limited amount of mistakes. 
quite honestly. And, and I don't, I'm not, that's not a shot at Tyler Tucker. It's just, this is a really tough scenario for the kid. He hasn't played a lot recently, um, or at all for that matter. And you're being put in the lineup against an Oilers team that has last change here at home. So I can guarantee you that when Tyler Tucker hits the ice for faceoffs or certain situations, you're going to see McDavid. You're going to see Dreisaitl. You're going to see the Oilers look to capitalize on that. So although I'd like him to play tough, uh, I'd like him to play tough in the right situations. Don't go looking for it because if you go looking for it and you're sniffing around to try and play tough and, and be Mr. Bad Badass out there, the Oilers are going to eat you alive. And Corey Perry is going to get in his face and get him to take a dumb penalty and, and things like that. Like, just got to stay focused. And, and my advice for Tyler Tucker just be, you know, take the play that's given to you and just make it quick. Make a quick play. Get the puck up the ice. If you don't see a play right away, get it up off the boards. Get it out into the neutral zone. Let your guys go to work on their forecheck. Sounds like he just needs to clear the puck. There you go. It's a good point. Um, that's what sure. I heard. <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> yeah. That's what I heard too, Marsh. I, that's all I heard. I heard mm-hmm. high and hard, off the glass, yep. no mistakes, clear the I puck. Clear the puck. None of those things actually. Said no, no, I just heard, heard clear the puck. I said move the puck quickly. Find your options quickly. Exactly. Quickly clear yeah. the puck exactly. out of the zone. Yep. Because nope. McDavid, Dreisaitl, they're going to be in the zone. And you want to get the puck out of the zone because they can't score if they're in the zone. Correct. Or, I'm sorry, they can't score if they're out of the zone. Yeah. They can definitely score if they're inside the zone. We we knew what you meant, Marsh. Yeah, of course, guys. Good work, guys. Well said. Hmm. Hmm. Let's go, boys. We need you to score more goals. Get those loose pucks. Thomas, DeCairo, score! No big deal. Game winner. All right, first goal of the game time. What do you got, uh, Jamie? Uh, for me, I'm going to Robert Thomas. Watched him last night, and he was really, really, really focused on shooting the puck last night. Every time he got it, he was looking to move the puck to the net. He wasn't looking for the bigger, better play. I think you see the same tonight. I think he finds it back in the net first. Marsh? I'm going to go with Jake Neighbors taking uh-huh. on the uh, Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Enough said. Mm. Uh, you know what? Let's go back to back. Let's go Pavel Buchnevich. He scored the first goal last night. Let's go back to back. He's hot. 14 shots over his last five games. Five goals. Top line. Pavel Buchnevich. Mm. There you have it. There's your first goal of the game. Here on 101 ESPN. Yeah. Marsh. Yeah. You had brought up Joel Hofer, and so Jordan Biddington's going to be playing tonight. But last night, when, while watching the Blues, you said that Joel Hofer reminded you of Jake, Jake Allen. Yeah, he did. I don't know why. Like, I think it was because, you know, he, he and like a young Jake Allen, like when I remember Jake Allen, he would make these unbelievable saves. Now, he wouldn't, you know, he'd give up a few goals and whatnot, but he would keep the team in the game, and I felt like Joel Hofer, he didn't play like the best game last mm-hmm. night, but he made some huge saves in last night's game to keep the Blues in the game. And, and Jamie, you talk about this all the time. You know, it's not about how many saves you necessarily make, as long as you're making the this, the big save at the right moment. And I thought he did. I thought he did a, a pretty good job last night. And for some reason, like Jake Allen came to mind. What do you What do you think about that? 
Yeah, there was a period of time where Jake Allen carried the team for a little bit there, in particular the one year where they they beat the Minnesota Wild in the playoffs. It mm-hmm. was it was basically Jake Allen that beat the Minnesota Wild. Uh, so yeah, I can see that the comparison to that. And look, Joel Hofer still. I mean, this is his first year in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So you're going to you're going to get some samples of just how great he is. You're going to be some moments of I'd like that one back. And I think recently, you know, he's he's such a great puck handler, but I think recently he's been looking for bigger, better plays with the puck, and, and it's ended up being a, a little bit sloppy at times, the exchanges between him and the defense, and then and sometimes going for, like, the long bomb pass when it's not there and then turning the puck over. So these are all pretty natural things, though. They're growing pains when you have a young player that's learning their way in the NHL, and it just happens to be your goaltender at this point. But the future is really bright because mm-hmm. when you watch him, just his sheer athletic ability, when he moves from post to post, when he takes away time and space, when he makes himself big out there, like it is really impressive. And you're right, Marsh. He had some serious saves last night, situational saves too, that kept his team in the game at times where had the Jets scored, it probably would have put the nail in the coffin for the Blues. All right, Jamie, good stuff. I know you're off for the uh, the rest of the day, and Danny Mac's going to be stepping in now. So from 4 to 6, Danny Mac will uh, take over, and he's going to help us out here with Jamie being on the road and Kerry being sick today. So Dan McLaughlin is in next when we have the gauntlet. Jamie, we'll see you tomorrow. See you later, guys. All right, the gauntlet is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Four warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? The gauntlet is powered by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Got a main guy here, Dan McLaughlin, in doing double duty. What's today. going on, buddy? Dan, we appreciate you, man. Marshy is looking great. You're looking great. It's like being back home. You know, you're here. <laughs> Thank you're ready you. to go. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you because, <clears throat> excuse me, Carrie is sick. and uh, That cough James, sounded a little. Uh, we're just a little suspicious. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm just getting choked up because you're here. You're back. I'm emotional so. too, buddy. <laughs> it's good to see you, man. Great to be here. So Dan will be with us for the next two hours. You hear Dan every single day here in the uh, the opening drive. Yes, sir. On 101 ESPN. 7 to 10. 7 to 10. The opening drive. Randy Carricker, Brooke Grimsley, and of course our guy, Dan McLaughlin. You betcha. We welcome in Zach now into the gauntlet. What's up, Zach? Not much. How's it going, guys? Doing good. First time in the gauntlet? Yes. First time gauntlet. I faced Randy three times. Though. You faced Randy? How'd you do? Uh, first one, I lost first round. Second one, I lost four to three. In the, um, and the next one, I lost first round. Mm-hmm. So... Some oh, L's there, but some wins, too. I'm kind of nervous, yeah. though, the way that Zach was able to easily break that down. <laughs> you know? Well, I embarrassed myself the first time for the last time, for sure. I think I got zero right. So. You know, Anthony, good point. Yeah. That could have been over like a 10-year period. You know what I mean? Like, he broke that down. He's like, a 4-3 win. This uh, second question was a soccer question. I wasn't prepared for it. I just, I'm nervous now. I can't uh, tell you what I got wrong, though, is the flu question. There you go. See? Well, Bingo. hey, I got my SLU shirt on today, so watch oh, out if there's right. any SLU questions. Uh, Zach, <laughs> would you like to take on Marsh or me? I'll take on Felter. Okay. 
knew you that know was what's coming. coming. I knew that was coming. I'll prepare for hockey. Okay. Boys, uh, Zach, good luck. I'll be in the Conus Thank Islands. You as well. Thank you. All right, Zach, you know the drill. Tell me to spin the wheel, and we will get things rolling. Spin the wheel, Mark. All right, so what category are you looking for today? Obviously, when Anthony uh, goes, it usually spins on hockey. Baseball or hockey, I'm cool with. No football. How about random? Random it is. 50-50 question shot on that. That's true. That is true. And for those that are listening that do not know the rules, each of our contestants, Zach and Anthony, will get four questions. You'll have an opportunity to answer that question using the options or just not using the options. If you use the options and you get it correct, you get one point. If you don't use the options and you get it correct, you get two points. And if you get it wrong, you get zero points. Are you ready for random, Zach? Yes. All right. Question number one. Identify the rapper who goes by the nickname of Mr. 305 and Mr. Worldwide. Uh, I have no clue. Options are Twista, Pitbull, or Juice World. Uh, what's it go by 305 and Mr. 305 and what? Mr. Worldwide. I'll go with Pitbull. Final answer? Yes, final answer. Okay, question two. How many different types of chess pieces are there in a standard game? Uh, let's see. Pawn, Rook, Knight, Bishop, and Queen. Six. Six, your final answer? You're saying different pieces. So like pawn, there's one pawn, not 12 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Okay, six. Sounds good to me. Question three, please. <laughs> question number three. In 2011... World's finest chocolate made a chocolate bar weighing 12,000 pounds. Where is world's finest chocolate located? We need a city or a state. Uh, I have no clue. Options, please. Your options are Birmingham, Alabama, Des Moines, Iowa, or Chicago, Illinois. Uh, uh... Uh, let's go Chicago. Final, Final answer? Yes. Hey, Marsh, you read question four for me because I'll probably mess up the name here. Okay. Uh, question number four. Name the evil president of Panem in the Hunger Games series of books and movies. I figured you oh. might know, Marshy. Oh, gosh. I've seen them all. Uh, the options are... Coriolis. Oh man, I can see why you <laughs> wanted you me on to. the spot. Well, I don't. I don't know. Uh, Coriolanus. Coriolanus Snow, Benjamin Renshaw, or Tiberius Shaw. I think it's Snow. All right. Mm-hmm. How you feeling about these answers going up against another stalwart like Anthony? <laughs> uh, hopefully, I count chess pieces right. That's the only one. <laughs> I, I like what you did. I thought you put in a, a hard effort here. You got the puck deep, got in front. Mm-hmm. You played a, a hard game and a full 200 feet. And I, oh. I'll tell you what, Anthony's going to have his hands full. That's all I do. That's why I love it. I Dan, love it. Dan, are you referring to hockey terms because I, of trying. course, got hockey? No, but I was trying to lead you in that direction. <laughs> oh. 
Well, the only thing worse than hockey would be random. Well, you might have got random. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready for random trivia, Anthony? No. All right. Well, either way, Dan, what does Anthony need to do? Uh, Grab a lunch pail. (laughs) (laughs) Pack a lunch pail. Pack a lunch pail. There we go. All right. Question number one, Anthony. Identify the rapper who goes by the nicknames of three, uh, Mr. 305 and Mr. Worldwide. 305 area code would be Florida, I believe. He's mm. from Florida. The only reason I know this is because my folks live down there. I'm going to need the options. Options are Twista, Pitbull, or Juice World. I don't know the other two. I only know Pitbull, and I think Pitbull's from Florida, so I'll go with Pitbull. Final answer. Final answer. Question two. How many different types of chess pieces are there in a standard game? How many different types of chess pieces are there in a standard game? How many different? I, a king, a queen, a rook, a knight. Yeah. Or the other. Rook, a knight. I want to say five, but that's, that, I don't think that's, I think that's too few. I'm picturing him in my head. Oh, sure you are. You can see him playing his day. You the horse, you got the little guy, you got the king, queen. <laughs> I think there's six. I think there's six different types of chess pieces. I'll go with six, final answer. Question three, please. Question number three in Small 2011. <laughs> 2011, Anthony. Yeah. World's finest chocolate. Made a chocolate bar weighing 12,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. Where is world's finest chocolate located? We need a city or state. I'll give you both. Chicago, Illinois. Final mm-hmm. answer. Are you ready for the final question? No, sir. You're going to get it anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get it and you're going to like it. You're going to like it. <laughs> Name the evil president of... Panem in the Hunger Games series of books and movies. Oh. The main villain, huh? I'll know it once you say it. Can I have the options, please? Sure you can. Coriolanus Snow, Benjamin Rinshaw, Tiberius Shaw. Snow. First uh, first answer. Snow. Snow. Final answer. Why'd you say his first name? Cornelius Snow. See, I thought it might have been Cornelius, too, and then I'm looking how it's spelled. I'm like, ah, it can't be a Cornelius. No, yeah, I don't know what it is. I just know it's snow. Okay, we'll go yeah. with snow. That'll be fine. <laughs> That'll be fine. A, snow. Final answer. <laughs> All right, let's go over these questions today. Anthony, how are you feeling? I actually feel okay. Feel okay? Yeah. Good. I like my deductive reasoning. Okay. I did add one chess piece, though, because I wanted to say five, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Let me add one. Uh, that the, That's the one I'm kind of concerned with. All right. Well, let's start with question number one. Identify the rapper who goes by the nicknames of Mr. 305 and Mr. Worldwide. Zach, you said, using the options, Pitbull. Mm. Anthony, you also used the options. You said pit, Pitbull. I did. The correct answer is... Pitbull. All right. Good job, Zach. Hey, thanks. You too. 1-1. One, one. I like a friendly competition yeah, between you two absolutely. guys. Absolutely, yeah. Zach really seems nice. like a really nice guy. Question number two. How many different types of chess pieces are there in a standard game? Oof. 
Zach, you said six. Ah. Anthony, you almost said five. Yeah. And you added a piece. Not really, sure if you really for no reason. knew actually how many pieces there were, but you guessed six. Well, we're about to find out. The correct answer is... Well, you have a king, queen, rooks, knights, bishops, uh, and a pawn. Oh, the pawn. That's right. The pawn coming in late. Yeah. Uh-huh. Six. So you both got that one correct. But actually, you guys both did oh. not use the option. So it's three to three. Let's go to question number four. Way to go, Zach. Yeah, thanks. You too. Name is so friendly between you guys. It's great. It's absolutely adorable. <laughs> Name the evil president of Panem in the Hunger Games series of books and movies. Anthony, you said you would know it using the options. Uh-huh. You said it was snow. Yeah. Cornelius Zach. Cornbread Snow. That's not his first name. Coriolanus? Coriolanus. That sounds right. People call him President yeah. Snow. Kind of rolled off the tongue. It did. Zach also said it was snow. Ah. Zach, you and I are dead heat here. The answer is. Oh, uh, snow. It is snow. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to the, the morning show now. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Usually, uh, other people are answering. We like to build up the drama. I, I got you. That's my yeah. fault. Sorry did about he, that, Marshy. Did Zach use the options? He did use the options, okay. Anthony. So we're still tied oh heading into that final question. Whew. In 2011, World's Finest Chocolate made a chocolate bar weighing 12,000 pounds. Where is World's Finest Chocolate located? We need a city or a state. Zach. You said Chicago, oh, Illinois. sweet Jesus. Anthony, you said Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. With however, no hesitation, too. However, Anthony did not use oh. the options. So, Come on, Birmingham. We do know <laughs> because Zach used the options that Birmingham, Alabama is an option, as well as Des Moines, Iowa. Chicago, Illinois is an option. So, Zach, you want... The answer to not be Chicago, Illinois. You want to be wrong. You want to be yeah. wrong on this one. Wrong. And if you are, we'll head to a walk-off. Dan? Uh, the answer sounded uh, pretty confident. Mm. So. Dan, the correct answer is? Well, the options were Birmingham, Alabama, Des Moines, Iowa, or Chicago, Illinois. The answer is Chicago, Illinois. Zach? You have chosen poorly. You lose! Zach, I feel for you, man. You got every question right. Yeah, that sucks. I sh I should have got the uh, snow one, I think. But oh well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Nice job, Absolutely. Zach. Yeah. Way to go, man. Good good effort, dude. Seriously, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for playing. Yeah, thanks, guys. You have a good work. You too. Did yeah. a hell of a job. Ah. You did a hell of a job, oh, and you're just a little bit better today. I thank you. No I, problem, I felt buddy. I, I felt a little a little bit better on that uh, Chicago. Mm -hmm. You question. answered it very quickly and efficiently. Well, I may or may not be from there, you know? <laughs> Nobody really knows. Like, like Dan said, some though. Some Detroit, were, some think San Jose. Yeah. You, you were in the, inside the neutral zone. You got the puck in deep. You didn't turn it over at the blue line. The defensemen weren't changing. They didn't yeah. go down and score. <laughs> you got that puck in deep, Anthony. You went on the four check. You know, I basically guys did everything uh, opposite of what the Blues did last night. You got in the greasy area, those greasy areas, oh, yeah. too. I got greasy. I got dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went up against the boards. Elbows high. A few That's, cheap shots mixed in there. Well, you know, I mean, we plan to win or not? Well, you played a 200-foot game. There's no I question about did, it. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt about it.
tape to tape passes and all that. <laughs> oh, it was all on display, oh, it Dan. Was slick. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Marshy? <laughs> Nothing's wrong with me, Dan. You're, I love that you're back in with us. It's been a minute. Darn Plus, you right. got this sweet beard going on. You I do. Know, the beard man. looks good. I was going to say this about Marshy. It's been so long that you've grown out a full beard yeah, we since both the last time I've now. seen you. Yeah. <laughs> you're, Marsh, you're rolling with it. You're rolling with some longer hair, too. I, it's I starting to come back in. I, you know, I got that cut, but. You know, once the mullet went away, yeah. I was like, man, it's like a defenseman, right? Once you get rid of it, you're looking for it again. That's sure. how I felt about the mullet. So now you got the beard going. I got the beard, and you I'm just kind of compensating for the lack of mullet. But yeah. don't worry, everybody. It's coming back. Mine looks more like a skunk. I got some dark hair in there. I got white, gray. Looks yeah, good, though. It, it just doesn't look good. <laughs> no, it does. It really Do doesn't. You, and you it, can say that. It's okay. No, no, it looks good. See, for me, like, I started to kind of trim it up again because I had, I, you know, I've, My got, issues? I've got darker. Because <laughs> <laughs> I look like you. No. I got the dark. I got the gray. It's all mixed in. I'm like, ah, we'll just kind of keep it a little shorter. Yeah. But no, it looks good. You guys are, are tight with yours. It mm. looks good. Um, I think Marshy kind of looks like, what was the... The snowman, Cornelius oh, the snowman. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got that the, beard going um, a little bit. Gold! It yeah, gold. Cornelius. <laughs> That's that one. That's oh, the one. Name? We Cornelius say, Snow. No. no. <laughs> we say it all the time for because that's that's Paul Goldschmidt's drop. That's right. I was like, Marshy, it's been yeah. so long. You got a beard. Then Cornelius. again, I do too. It just doesn't look very. Good. No, Dan, you stop it. You stop it because you make me feel so happy when I come in here. <laughs> uh, by the way, Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider. Yukon Cornelius. Cornelius. That's it. That's That's it. Yukon Cornelius. Nice job there, Marsh. Uh, uh, Jeremy Rutherford will join us in about 15 minutes or so. We'll talk a little blues hockey with him. However, you guys didn't talk enough with Jamie. Let's bring on, uh, we'll bring on JR. Bring yeah. on JR. Blues making some changes to the lineup at tonight's game against the Oilers. So we'll talk to him about that. But, mm. Dan. Dan, one of the things I wanted to discuss with you is uh, Dylan Carlson's immediate future with the Cardinals. Things have changed pretty quickly things, for him. Things change, Mox. You're the starting quarterback now. Yeah, exactly. And if you're Dylan Carlson, you're not the starting quarterback. But you're licking your chops at the opportunity. There you go. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin filling in for Kerry Davis. I'm Anthony Stalter. And, uh, Dan, I wanted to talk to you about Dylan Carlson because I feel like you get a good read on on D.C. Now, going into the season, if Tommy Edmonds healthy, we know what the role is for Dylan Carlson. Sure. He's a fourth outfielder, right? But <laughs> all of a sudden now, you've got a, an opportunity because of Tommy Edmonds' injury, and I don't think he's going to be ready for opening day. I think that's why they signed Brandon Crawford. Agreed. But Dan, Victor Scott now all of a sudden comes out of not nowhere because we saw him emerge last year in the minor leagues. But if Victor Scott is a, a thing, we'll just say, what do you think Dylan Carlson's immediate future is? I think right now he would be, if it started tomorrow, he's in your lineup, he's the everyday center fielder, and you give him a chance to run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I always have the adage that I used to never believe, and I still think this way, never believe 
what I see in spring training. Yeah. And I don't believe, especially when the rosters were expanded, never in talking at late in the season, September, never believe what I saw then. Mm-hmm. Because you'd see all these guys come up and you're like, who the hell is that guy? Yeah. And he's getting a chance to play every day. And maybe he's going to get some pitcher that probably should be a triple A or maybe high double A, um, a high end double A pitcher, I should say. I just never believed it. Now, the one thing, though, I'll say about Victor Scott is that he has an element of his game that doesn't go into a slump, and that's his legs and his speed. And if he just wows them in spring and forces his way onto a roster, I I could, I could see it happening, but, man, he'd have to hit 500 and steal 10 bases, play incredible defense, and to the point they say, we can't keep this guy down. Right. I don't see that happening. So I look at it. We started this by talking about Dylan Carlson. To me, he begins the season as the everyday center fielder. And I've always felt that if you are a really good team, and I've felt this way for two years, and you and I have talked about this, that if you're a really good team, Dylan Carlson is a fourth outfielder. If mm-hmm. you're a lesser team, he's a starter on a lesser team. Yeah, I My mind can be changed as we go forward. Maybe he's been dealing with health issues and gets better from one side of the plate or the other. But right now, his immediate future would be, Hey man, you're the starter, and you want to, you want more playing time? Go take it. Right. Let this be your motivation to go get it. And I got no problem with that. Doesn't sound like you have any problem with that, Dan. I completely agree. Dylan Carlson almost feels like things are passing him by a little La- bit. Lars Newpar had his opportunity in the second half a couple of years ago, took it and ran with it. Yep. Jordan Walker in spring training last year, same situation with Victor Scott. Hey, you want to roll? Force us to keep you, and they did. Then he, you know, he went down to Memphis, but he came back up. Now you've got Tommy Edmond playing in center fields because he had an opportunity due to injuries to who? Guys like Dylan Carlson. And Tommy Edmond took the advantage and ran with it. Brendan Donovan, spring training two years ago, took advantage of it. So to your point, what you just said about Dylan Carlson, the door is now open for you again, DC, who I like. I want. I, I would love to see Dylan He's Carlson. He's a great kid. Man the center field. He's young. I'm not, I'm not like giving up on him. But at some point, you've got to be healthy, you have to be available, and you have to take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, you brought up a name that I was just thinking about that took advantage of spring training. And like you said, Brendan Donovan a couple of years ago really opened up some eyes to where like, hey, man, this guy can play. He's worked on his game in the offseason. We saw signs of it the year before in the minor leagues. The other one that comes to mind that did that was Lars Newpar. Yeah. So Lars Newpar made a few spot appearances in spring training of – I can't remember the year, but it's two years ago, I guess. And all of a sudden, they had a need. The Cardinals are playing in 2021 or 2022 in Detroit, and they call up this guy, Lars Newpar. And you're, you're like, your mind goes, yeah, I remember seeing him in spring training, but nothing really stood out. What, what happened was he was playing on the backfields, mm. and so guys were taking like extra BP and doing different things, and in the quote-unquote live games and all that kind of stuff when guys needed extra work on the mound. They said he was flying all over the place. He caught the eye of the Major League staff. Well, if you want to catch the eye of a Major League staff, I think one of the best ways to do it, number one, is to always hustle and, you know, this guy never takes a playoff. That's that's easy. But when you have the speed of Victor Scott, and look at his numbers too. It's not just some guy slapping the ball around. His numbers have improved everywhere he's gone. Man, that can make an impression. I they, we were talking on the morning show, and they said, okay, who's the guy before spring training started? Who's the one player you can't wait to see? And 
it was Mason Wynn, it was Jordan Walker. I'm looking forward to Sonny Gray, especially Randy. And uh, <laughs> and I and I said Victor Scott. Yeah. I mean, just speed is fun to watch. And if the bases are enlarged, which they have been last year, and you're thinking about stealing bases, being more aggressive this year, mm-hmm. then he's the kind of guy I'd love to watch play. Dan, I, I got to be honest, I got ahead of myself a little bit yesterday thinking about when when healthy, when Tommy Edmund is healthy. A middle of your infield. We, we, you know this from covering uh, Dave Duncan for as long as you did. Dave Duncan always wanted the middle, that diamond That's up right. the middle, right? Yachty, and then your middle infielders and your center fielder, and and boy, he had a great diamond uh, most of the most of the time that he was here. I got a little excited thinking about Victor Scott in center, Mason Wynn at short, Tommy Edmond, Gold Glover back at second, and then Wilson Contreras. You know, look, Wilson Contreras, not Yachty, not not anywhere close, but still the the rest of the diamond. Looking like it does with that speed, that range at short, that range in center field, that's exciting to me. Could you imagine if you were a fan of the National League West? So, say you had a team that you followed, Arizona, San Francisco, Colorado, whatever, and you look up at the 2024 Cardinals and you have Nolan Arenado at third, Brandon Crawford at short, who still can pick it, by the way. He's a really good defensive player. And then you see Goldschmidt over at first base. You're thinking, are you kidding me? Right. I mean, these are some of the superstars of that division coming over to play for St. Louis. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I, I, I didn't think about that. I mean, these guys were the players of that, that, uh, division in baseball. I don't know if you agree with this, too, and I was thinking about this the other day. So Wilson Contreras is in year two of a five-year contract. By the end of year five, will we, will we be worried about how he receives the baseball? No, because Yvonne Herrera will be the starter. If he's not the starter, though, let's just play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Are we going to have a rule that uh, the electronic strike zone is in? So you're not mm-hmm. trying to steal strikes anyway at the bottom of the zone. and he's, he's going down to one leg to try to get a better feel for it, receive it a little bit softer. I don't know if we're even worried about that at the end of this deal. Yeah, we might not be. It might just the catcher position might turn turn into an offensive position. Yeah, not not that it's it's not important to con, you know <clears throat> command a, a pitching staff and oversee a pitching staff. How good is this infield in 2013, 2014 of? Paul Goldschmidt, Studs, <laughs> Nolan Arenado, <laughs> Crawford Matt, short. Car- Matt Carpenter at second base, yeah, Brandon Crawford sure. at short, yeah. perennial All Stars, absolutely. And unfortunately, yeah. why, why it's ten years sound... later. So I, mean, I, I don't always. I didn't feel that Carp like Carpenter was always the straw that stirred the drink offensively. You know, the lead. I thought I, this was one of the better oh. leadoff. I don't think he was that great defensively. No, he was fine. Yeah, he, he Did didn't you, wow you me. You thought he was a second. Yeah, you thought he was a good defensive second base. You put him at second base. I'm also thinking of the lineup too. You, know? you weren't okay, thinking right, it was. Fair enough. Joe Morgan. No, I didn't think it was John Miller. Hey, Joe, Joe Morgan. I never said Joe Morgan on the gauntlet. I got away from it this time. Hey, I think it's Joe Morgan. For those who don't remember, in the summer I was filling in and I got a little sidetracked on my phone and they were waiting for me to give the answer in a question and I said it too early. I just said, Joe Morgan. Stoltz jaw dropped to the floor and I looked over at Marsh. He was shaking his head like, what's wrong with this guy? Well, it was funny. I think we were, I think we were on question three. You read off question. One, <laughs> I think it was. Uh, no, we were doing a giveaway. Oh, we're that's like, what it was. Oh, yeah. Who was uh, the who was the the color analyst for or, Sunday Night Baseball with John Miller? Yeah. And uh, Dan just goes, Ah, oh, Joe, Joe Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> and there goes our trivia question. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford will join us next. We'll talk about the Blues lineup changes ahead of tonight's Edmonton game. Next on One Hundred and One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One ESPN. 
news, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite contractor. Tonight, the Blues will take on the Oilers in Edmondson. Pre-game starting at 6.30 right here on 101 ESPN, the Blues Radio Network. That's us. We'll have the game for you, too. Our guy, Jeremy Rutherford, joins us via the uh, 101 ESPN Celebrity Line. And JR sent me a text earlier this morning that, that got me smiling. Uh, JR, <laughs> go ahead and tell us what you, what you sent. Well, we've told the story a few times over the years about uh, Chris Duncan and him asking me when the Blues were set to play the Buffalo Sabres uh, about uh, the Buffalo Buffaloes. That's what he called them. Mm-hmm. And, Anthony, I texted you today, uh, you know, I'll tell the story. I was at uh, a local Panera Bread Company, and I was typing a story, and it included the sentence of the Buffalo Sabres, and it rolled off my fingers, non-intentional. <laughs> the Buffalo Buffaloes rolled off my fingers onto it. the computer. I love it. It's just uh, you know, our, our good buddy, Chris Duncan, he just he lives on, man. So that's it was, yeah. again, it brought a smile to my face that, uh, that that just happened naturally for you. All right, JR, so tonight, you know, rough one last night in Winnipeg, and we know that Drew Bannister is making some changes for those that are just hopping in their car now. They didn't hear Jamie and I talking about it earlier. What are those changes, and why do you anticipate that he made those changes? Yeah, a couple changes, one up front and one on the back end, guys. Uh, up front, Casperi uh, Kapanen will come out of the lineup, and this shouldn't be a shock to anybody who's watched the past couple games. Uh, he has not been very good. His ice time has been down. His shifts have been down. He's played about 14, 15 minutes combined in the past uh, two games, talking about Detroit and Winnipeg. And in that time, in those 14 or 15 minutes, he is a minus four with just one shot on goal. You guys talked about the play last night. You know, Riv made a point that uh, he doesn't know that D is potentially changing, but still he needs to get that puck deep. You know, that was a kind of a turning point in the game there, the goal against. And then uh, on the back end, Scott Prinovich will come out, as you guys also touched on, kind of a softish play in the corner uh, where where he heard the footsteps coming from behind him and, you know, didn't make the play, and so the puck comes back uh, into the uh, slot area and, and the goal scored against the Blues. So they're going to go to Tyler Tucker. And Tucker, this is going to be interesting because he hasn't played all that much. He had one game in January, but this will be just his second game since December 21st. He's a guy definitely who got a lot of playing time early, uh, but I think Drew Bannister wants to get him out on the ice. And also after the hiccup by Prinovich last night, it's probably the time tonight so- in the second game of back-to-backs. Excuse me, Jr. But the uh, the Blues in a span of twelve days they go from potentially being up six points on the Predators now six points back one in four since that game. The Predators have put together a six game winning streak, so you're outside of the playoffs if it ended today. They do have two games in hand, though. Uh, my question though would be: Do you think this gives Doug Armstrong some clarity on on moving forward with the trade deadline and what he wants to do? Yeah, I think so, Danny. But I think he already kind of had you know, some sort of vision of what he wanted to do. I think this might make it a little bit easier because even if you're him and you know what you want to do, you're sitting there thinking, well, gosh, you know, we we are right here in a playoff spot. Even though I don't think this is a team that can go a couple rounds, you know, I got to let this play out a little bit. 
Um, you know, it's a different situation than when he had the Paul Stastny's and the Kevin Chattenkirk's. Those guys were UFAs, so you could move them uh, before the deadline. And, and, you know, if you made the playoffs, you did. If you didn't, you didn't. The Blues don't have those types of players this year. Guys like Pavel Buchnevich, uh, they have term on their contract, so it's a different story. Uh, but I do think that if this trend continues, you're talking about losing five of your last seven and getting outscored 23-8 to eight in those seven games, that I think that uh, Doug Armstrong could move one or two players like a Marco Skindel or someone. So I do think this has changed the scenario just a bit. Jeremy Rutherford joins us right now in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Uh, play out some scenarios, speaking of the trade deadline. So, Jared, play out some more uh, you know examples for us. Uh, if, if the Blues do... And they've avoided some of the long the, the long losing streaks. But if they do have a longer losing streak, do you think that they, they could become more aggressive uh, when it comes to selling? Or do you think that Doug Armstrong, no, like you just said, he, he's, he's made up his mind no matter what? If you're talking about selling before the deadline, I don't know that you can get ultra aggressive just because of your position in the standings. Because you need to make the deal when it makes the most sense. And if it makes the most sense before March 8th, then so be it. But I think you give yourself more time and you perhaps open it up to more teams in the offseason when some of these contenders who are up against the cap, you know, are able to go out and acquire a Pavel Buchnevich in, in the summer. So, you know, the way things are looking, like I said, it could change things in his mind. But I just don't know how much more aggressive they could get in terms of who they're willing to deal and, and what they're willing to accept. It's just a short time before that March 8th trade deadline, and you don't re- want to regret any moves that you make now uh, when you look in the offseason and see what else could have been done. You know, I was trying to look at some positives here with the Blues, and one of them is is Robert Thomas. And the Blues have been awful five-on-five, five, and yet Thomas is in the top 20 in points, top 15 in assists, and he's doing it again with a team that's been awful five-on-five five for the most part of the season. So my point is, like, Watching tonight, you may give the puck to Connor McDavid coming out of his own zone and you get an assist because he goes the distance and scores a goal. Am I looking too far into this? I think it's one of the most underrated seasons of anybody right now in the NHL. For sure, Dan. No, anybody uh, paying attention to Robert Thomas this year knows that he's developed into that guy. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's on pace for 90-plus points. And so we can sit here and bellyache about all the things that are going wrong in the team's you know, making mistakes, losing five out of seven. Kapanen's sitting, you know, he's not a guy you can deal at the deadline. You're hoping that could be the case. You know, so many things that aren't going for them, but uh, he's one of the guys. He, Bennington, uh, Colton Pareko, Jake Neighbors, to me, four of the good storylines this season for the Blues. But, you know, the biggest thing, Dan, you know, to your point about Robert Thomas, if you want to be a Stanley Cup contending team, as we saw in 2019 with the way the Blues were so strong up the middle, you have to have that top line, top six, go to center, and the Blues have that guy in Robert Thomas. Jared, before we let you go, what are you working on next for the Athletic? Yeah, I got a piece about uh, no trade clauses, and this is something that's interested me for a couple of years now, and I finally started uh, talking to people about it. You can look around the league, guys, and I'm sure this is the case with other sports, but who gets them and why? How does... How does a guy like Amika Rantanen in Colorado, one of the top ten scorers in the league, have a modified no-trade list where he can he can go to a handful of teams? 
but yes, yet you got lower level guys who have full no movement trade clauses. So I was able to talk to some agents, talk to some players, talk to some teams, and find out what the rhyme or reason is. So that should be coming out shortly before the trade deadline. A final question for me, Jr. How many scouts do you think will be at the game on Saturday night with the Blues in, in Minnesota? And I, I'm, it's a serious question. Like, how many people from front offices will be in town? Yeah, it's been picking up uh, lately, and I haven't been on the road with the team. By the way, everybody says, why aren't you on the road? It's like, uh, have you seen there in Winnipeg and Edmonton? <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> so, uh, so it has been picking up at uh, Enterprise Center. I almost called it Scott Trade Center. They, uh, uh, I think in this next week, yeah, Saturday's game against Minnesota should be pretty full. You know, I think teams are still going to continue to call on the Blues guys up until the deadline, even if uh, you know Army isn't inclined to move a Pavel Buchnevich for the reason we talked about. But uh, yeah, a lot of. A lot of seats taken up in the press box this time mm. of year. Should be interesting. Absolutely. JR, great stuff. Have a good rest of your week. Yeah, I got to pack. I got to get ready for New York next week. I know which ones to go on. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Yeah, get some of that New York pizza. <laughs> See you later. See ya. That's Jeremy Rutherford here in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. You can follow JR at JP Rutherford. You think there's any way that Buchnevich is still here in two weeks? I do. I do. I think that I think that Doug Armstrong, regardless of what they do, I think he's going to kind of stand pat. I think they need to make the playoffs. I, I don't see it happening. I mean, the next five games, including tonight, you got the Oilers, then Minnesota, as we mentioned, the Flyers, the Islanders, the Devils, what, seven of eight on the road? Only one of those upcoming is at home. Really good teams. And really good teams yeah. on an East Coast swing that's a long trip. I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. I don't like your attitude right now. I know, but it's called reality. <laughs> <laughs> so get off, get off my lawn. <laughs> it's a fast lane on 101 at ESPN. Did you guys discuss today in the opening drive the Bradford Doolittle, uh, the 32 expansion teams in no. Major League Baseball? No, we did not. So he's got some interesting takes here, including how they're, the two By leagues the way, could thanks have... for listening. Well, <laughs> listen, I don't listen to the entire show. I, I'm I catch giving a lot you trouble. Uh, usually I'm in the car for the... Yeah. the the fight, mm-hmm. and I usually get like the two segments, you know, before and after. Okay, yeah. I decided to call you to the carpet. <laughs> That's on that fine. Way. Yeah, I've what not gone you, back Marcy? and checked out the the podcast. Dan, you know the answer to that. You're sleeping. He's not even I'm up. Sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> he's not even up. <laughs> Anyways, what if the two leagues had eight team divisions? I like, like it. Okay, so Dan gave you a little sneak preview of his thoughts on this. That's next on One Hundred and One ESPN. <laughs> Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So I think we just had this discussion off air, so we'll just bring it on air. MLB expansion, how a 32-team league might work, and this was by Bradford Doolittle of ESPN. I won't get into the, the full details here, but it's basically the gist of it is Expand to 32 teams. So let me, let's say a Nashville team and a, what do you think, Dan? I think Montreal. Montreal would be a great spot. Let's include Vegas coming into this too. As Oakland though. Right. 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 And we, not that we want to see, we're very sensitive to this, not that we want to see any any city lose their yep. team, but it, it seems to be a foregone conclusion that Correct. it's going to be Vegas. Sure. So you get the, the two added teams, let's just say Montreal and Nashville. And where things get kind of interesting is Bradford Doolittle has eight team divisions so two in the national league two in the american league your cardinals division of eight teams would be kansas city the cardinals tigers white Sox, cubs twins astros and then nashville are we good with that that? yep 
we're going to put Texas in the American League. Texas would be in the American League, and they would almost be like a West team. So Dodgers, Giants, Padres, Mariners, Rockies, uh, Diamondbacks, Las Vegas, and then Texas. And then from there, you, of course, have the East Coast. And then I, I don't know how the, the other – what you would do with the other league, though. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, too. Or the other division, I, I think the main thing that I would like out of this is that if I expanded to 32, and I do think expansion is coming, I don't think we'll see it when Rob Manfred, he maybe gets the ball rolling, but that's like five years out when his tenure is up. I don't think we'd see it then, um, but I think he'll he'll probably lay the groundwork to do this. So maybe let's say we have it in the next five to seven years is that you would have fewer games inside of your own division. If they decided to keep the current divisions the way they are, you add your two teams, but maybe you're not seeing the Cubs as much, you're not seeing Pittsburgh as much. Um, I think that's actually a good thing for the sport. You make it a premium event to go see the Cubs. Instead of having it like it was 18 times a year, no, the Cubs are in St. Louis, and this might be the one year that they're only in town once. And you go to Chicago a couple times a year, and that fills up the allotment of games that you're going to play the Chicago Cubs, and then vice versa the next year. I think that's cool. I also think the way that they're doing this now, and I talked to Ali Marmol about this in the offseason. He said, man, to quote him, he said, playing outside your division, he said, that is real. Meaning that it is tough. It's tough to see some of the American League teams that you're not normally used to seeing Mm -hmm. and not beating up on the Pirates 18 times a year or Milwaukee's down or Cincinnati. I just think it's good for the sport that you're going to see more and more teams that raise the level of play that you have to face night in and night out. Yeah, and you'd hope that your front office would also raise the level of its game to match that schedule. We have not seen that yet out of the Cardinals, but that's a separate discussion. I got two questions for you guys. One, and March, you brought this up when we were talking about this in the in the break. Would you be willing to get rid of the divisions and just have two leagues and say top seven teams? Because I do think that baseball. This is kind of my other question: how many how many playoff teams would you have? To me, guys, baseball is a regional sport. The longer you have eyeballs on your your product because your team is still in it, the better. I realize it creates a bit of a watered-down situation. It's like, oh, everybody makes it. No, not everybody makes it. My, my point here, the key factor is, if I am a Marlins fan, I'm watching my team longer because I think that my team can be a wildcard team. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I agree with the premise of more postseason games. Now, my question would be, I haven't done the numbers and thinking about this. Would I have to cut down my regular season a little bit so I can fit in more playoff teams potentially? Yeah. So under your model, expanding it, making it more uh, available for the national audience to watch. Correct. And would I then have to cut? Because then all of a sudden I'm playing second week in November. You know what I'm saying? Would that yeah. be that? That would be a little bit of a concern for me. Yeah. But I guess good. you could get away with it though. By that time, as much as you may not like to do this is put the, let's say, the final four teams on neutral sites and put them in dome stadiums or warm weather places and play it there. Yeah. I mean, that's something to think about. I don't think they'd like to do that. I think they'd love to stay away with uh, away from that because of the drama of being at a home ballpark yeah. for Game 7. I, that wouldn't kind of lose. I wouldn't want to lose that. I wouldn't either. <laughs> I wonder, too, if, if, let's say, you do expand and you decide to realign, your realignment would have to come with the – proximity of the of the uh of the team so let's say portland gets a team mm-hmm. where would they go what if you go to monterey mexico you know where mm-hmm. would you put them in what yeah. if you went to puerto rico 
I mean, there's talk of even something like that could happen. So the alignment of your leagues would have to be dependent on where you're at geographically too that's something to keep in mind as you move forward with this yeah it's in it's interesting and i know people are resistant to change i know we're probably getting a lot of pushback i i am interested in at least having the discussion about there only being two leagues and no divisions because it creates now a sense of you have to be one of the top maybe it's not seven maybe it's six you have to be one of the top six teams to make it and you don't benefit from playing the reds and the pirates the Brewers, if they're in a down year, or the Cubs, if they're in a down year, three of the teams in the National League Central typically are out of it. Yeah, uh, The Cardinals yeah. have benefited from it. And you may say, well, that's been a good thing. Uh, okay. But you also can't bitch if Mo and the front office has this, let's just get in mindset, because it's part of it. And you know you play in a crap division, and you're be- you're benefiting from it. So it would create... You would think more competition in the offseason to try to improve your team. I want to go back to to the amount of games you'd have to play potentially with a situation like this. If you cut it to 154, which was – it has been talked about. Would you cut back the regular season and then create more postseason, which is fine, but are you going to pay a player for 162 or are you going to pay him for 154? It's kind of like Anthony Rendon when he came out and (laughs) said, man, let's cut down – the schedule, it's too long, you know, it, right. whatever he said, paraphrasing. But he said it was too long. I was like, yeah, you're okay, that's cool. Yeah. But we'll just start some paychecks. Yeah, we'll start <laughs> taking some zeros out of the paycheck. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know if the players would agree to do something like that. That's yeah. the other part of this that becomes problematic because the Players Association of Major League Baseball is the most powerful players association in sports. Mm-hmm. You being a football guy, it is mind-boggling to me that contracts aren't guaranteed in football. I, I just still can't get over that. Yeah. Yes, the signing bonus is enormous, but to me is like when I put pen to paper and I'm supposed to get $250 million, but I only get X because yep. my signing bonus was X, I still find that unbelievable to me. I mean, you really have you know to look. Th- you have to read through, like, they whoever, you know, a couple of free, free agents going to be signing soon, right, because right. March. You really have to go through the, the article to, to see what the guaranteed portion of the contract is. Exactly. That's the only thing that matters. These, these guys, guys signing a you know a hundred and hundred million dollar deal. What's the guaranteed portion of it? These guys are in a train wreck every single day of, of every play. Yes. How they get up, I don't know. I did sidelines for the Rams a bunch, and I don't know if you guys have been on the sidelines of an NFL game. It's incredible. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly uncomfortable. I don't know how guys got up after yeah. watching these plays and how they hit, and I'm just like, and you don't have guaranteed money coming your way no, with the kind correct. of money that the NFL is bringing in? Yeah. It's insanity. Now, fairness to the baseball players, they got ligament stuff. Anthony. Some fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> it can be rough. <laughs> There's stretched still, ligaments when you throw a you know a split finger hey, in between your forefinger and the other finger. You know, at baseball, 162 games. It's it's some wear and tear on your body. You get some hammy issues. You got some hammy issues. I mean, if you're Tyler O'Neill, you run through the gamut. You you foul a ball off your shin. That hurts. Mm. Foot, little toe, big toe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's a lot of things you got to play through. <sighs> Tell you, jam fingers. By the way, I did a. Uh, a conference type thing, and we kind of talked about this in the office, but and I don't know how uh, baseball people because it's so traditional, mm-hmm. right? They're gonna hate everything you. They're say. gonna hate everything that I that I'm about to say, but uh, I broke it up into uh, the American League, National League, but it's more like West East, mm-hmm. and so what the Cardinals division would look like: St. Louis, Chicago, both Chicago teams, Minnesota, Kansas City, Houston, Texas. 
Yeah. And uh, the other half would be Arizona, Dodgers, Colorado, the Angels, San Diego, San Francisco. Oh, the Angels, we forgot. Uh, mm-hmm. That was Las, the other one. Las Vegas, whatever the A's end up doing. Seattle. So that would be like the West. The East would be Pittsburgh, Cincy, Detroit, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Philly, Atlanta, and then Nashville. We'll give them a team. Mm-hmm. And then the... Uh, the other East Division would be Baltimore, Boston, New York Yankees, New York Mets, Miami, Tampa Bay, Toronto, uh, oh, Washington I put in there, and then Montreal. So I wonder if you can make a South instead of uh, you know, I, That's the one I East. thought of. Yeah. You know, you got the Marlins. You've got the Well, you'd have Tampa Braves, Bay. Tampa Bay. What else is down there? Uh, I guess least, you could have Nashville. Yeah, I was going to say Nashville. I mean, if you wanted to you go Texas. Texas yeah. You know, Houston, Texas. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking at time zone preferences, like what they do in the NHL. Like yeah. That's why they're separated the East and West. That's why Makes the sense. Detroit Red Wings went to the Eastern Conference because yeah, they're an Eastern Conference. They're an Eastern time, time zone, zone team. So Nashville Makes would sense. be in that as well. Is that Na- so? Nashville's Eastern Conference or uh, Eastern Time Zone? I mean, I, I believe it is. Yeah. Hmm. I, yeah. Or is it? I always thought they're Central, but I, I'm, I think I'm it's probably Eastern. Wrong. I could be wrong. Columbus too. is Eastern. Columbus would be, yeah, for sure. Yeah. By yeah. the way, I want to throw this out at both you guys. Does it really matter? No. I, you know, when you talk about Nashville Central, I mean this question: Does oh. it really matter? <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't pay care attention about to the, me. Yeah. It is Central Time Zone. <laughs> yeah. I don't go there enough. I need yeah. to go there more. Um, does it really matter though that the sport would go on a national stage longer than it really is? I, are you going to get more eyeballs to watch Major League Baseball if you had expanded playoffs? If my team's in it, yes. If my team's out of it, no. And what's that mean? It's a regional sport. Correct. Yep. Yeah. I, I just don't know if you're going to bring in a lot more fans by playing national games. Yeah, true. Yep. Well, Dan, you put a damper on this. I don't mean to. I'm just. <laughs> I could be wrong <laughs> about realistic. that too. But the other thing is, you're you're right in the middle of the the heart of the football season. That's that's the bigger problem. If Monday night football, baseball. Thursday night football, Saturday college games. Right. Of course, you and I with our friends, we have well, Mac mm-hmm. action on Tuesday nights. Action is a big deal. You know, there's just some yeah. things to think about. Well, here. You shouldn't you, be playing baseball games in November. No, you're right about that. But Especially this, when you got Buffalo and Miami of Ohio on a Maction Tuesday. You're mm-hmm. not going to miss that. No. You get the Bulls, you get the Red Hawks. You and I are texting each other. You, throw, you throw the... The uh, the records right out the window. People are thinking, no, you guys really do. no, we really do. <laughs> we really enjoy it. We, yeah, it's we enjoy it, and our friends it's, enjoy it. And it's foosball. I can't wait for Central Michigan to take on UMass. It's true. UMass is joining the MAC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Minute Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's the fast lane on one hundred and one ESPN. I don't know. We uh, we, Jamie and I talked about this, but Dan, I want to I want to talk to you about Miles Michaelis expectations. For All right. For moose, they call him. I don't know if they Let's call him. Let's do that. it. Michaelis, uh, conversation next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Dan McLaughlin, I'm Anthony Stalzer's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie's on the road. Carrie is out six. So it's me, Dan, and Andrew Marsh. 508, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals fall to the Mets today, three to nothing. Dylan Carlson, 0 for Gopher at the top of the lineup. He went 0 for 3. Alec Burleson had a couple of hits and three at bats. Nolan Gorman, 0 for Gopher. Uh, Luke and Baker, who started DH, he was 0 for 3. 
Rivas, 0 for 2. Uh, just a, you know what? Offensively, not great. As they you were could just probably challenged. Figure. They were challenged. They only had five hits, no runs. But the storyline locally, at least, is Miles Michaelis. So he makes his debut, goes two innings, Dan, two hits, no runs, one strikeout, no walks. Up and down season last year to extremes. I mean, a big extreme. Horrible April, great May, horrible June, okay July. His career with the Cardinals has kind of been up and down too, mostly because of injuries. What do you expect out of him? Well, there's a few things I look at, Anthony. Number one, I think the impact of Sonny Gray makes a difference. And when I say that, I'm not talking about him going over to Miles Michaelis and putting his arm around him and saying, hey, you need to be doing – no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Sonny Gray being the number one – Performance. And taking pressure off Michaelis. He doesn't have to be considered the number one. Um, The 200-plus innings last year, I'll take that every single season. The things he's got to improve upon, he's got five different pitches. He's got a four-seamer, he's got a slider, a sinker, a changeup, and a curve. And last year, the sinker and the curve – were awful. So he's got to be sharper with those pitches. Um, But this is where I think that he can improve. And it's really a collective thing that happens behind him. He gets a lot of balls in play. The defense was not good last year. Two years ago, against him, teams hit just 180 on ground balls against him. Last year, they hit 280. And remember all the shuffling that you had with injuries and defense Mm -hmm. and the, the lack of fundamentals. Um, I think that improves because of the defense behind him. In balls in play in just general, they hit 309 against him. If you have defense that plays up to the level that they're expected to play at, I bet you see a much improved Miles Michaelis because his stuff didn't all of a sudden just completely drop off the table. There are a couple pitches that got to get better. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not saying this is all on the defense. But generally speaking, if you have better defense behind you, makes sense. You're going to go deeper into games, and he did. He would take it on the chin sometimes, but yep. you're also going to have a chance to put your team in a position to win some of these games, if that makes sense. No, it, do, it absolutely does. So I was going to go back and look at some of his splits from last season, like his monthly splits. So let's go back to – And by the way, you're right. As you look that up, I mean, it's great years where he's a top 10 Cy Young guy, yep. and then the next year he's 500. Then he comes back out, and he might be your best pitcher. Right. And then the next year it's off a little bit. It's just interesting um, how the, that career trajectory has gone it, with it him. To- it totally has. So he, if we include the one start in March, that was the opening day start, when he gave up 10 hits, five runs in three and a third against the Blue Jays, and then it carried into April. He, he, he had a rough month of April, and then in – in June or in May, excuse me, eight innings, seven innings, seven innings, six innings, four and a third, five and two thirds, zero runs, zero runs, three, one, one, three. He was fantastic in the month of May. Then in April, or I'm sorry, then in June, it got worse again and it just yo yoed back and forth. I agree with you. It's not like he was awful in April and stayed awful. And now we're looking at Miles Michaelis and saying, hey, you're you're coming off a horrible year. But we expect you to bounce back. Right. No, this this dude was un, unhittable in some regards in May and at, like every other month. So I, I, I think we're going to see a more even performance overall. Completely agree with you. Get to that 200-inning mark. Huge. And if you keep the ERA between even 4 and 4, 4.4, great. That's fine. I don't expect him to do what he did two years ago. But he's got to be more consistent than he was a year ago. Gave up 10 hits per nine 
Yeah. That's but he again, gave him more hits last year than he had in, in, at any point in his career. And two hundred and some. The text line brings up a, a really good point. They they say, well, there was no shift. The shift was banned last season. I I agree with that, and that could have played into this. But I also think you're a better defensive club than what they showed a year ago. Fundamentally, yep. man, they were out of whack. Yep. And when you had guys playing out of position, all of a sudden Tommy Edmond is going to center, and you got him away from playing a very high level infield position. Um, let's just face it. Some of those guys just did not have good years defensively. If, Alec Burleson, how many how many starts did he make in the outfield? There you go. Jordan Walker is a rookie, not not killing the kid. Is right. playing out of position. He's learning, but it's still a factor. If some of these shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? right? If some of these plays are made behind him, maybe the the season in total looks a little bit better than it was. Sure, and I think it can look better this year. Yeah, he should have fewer excuses this year. So hopefully, pitches he pitches well. Not excuses, but there are reasons too. He still had a WAR above three last year because of the two hundred innings. Right, that shows you what innings mean. Mm-hmm. If you if you give a team innings, even if they're not great innings, just give them some innings and a chance to win some of these games. Man, it you makes a value. difference. Yep. Yes. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stoltz. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. we got the Sports 6 back coming up. So 314-399-9646 for the Air Comfort Service text line. Again, 314-399-9646. Yo. Oh, wrong nope, show. Nope, nope, nope. We don't do that here, Dan. We keep that in the Darn mornings. it. Maybe it's a yo-no. You know, my two-year-old Lincoln. <laughs> Look at Marsh. She doesn't know what to say. I'm thinking just no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. No, <laughs> I will say though, uh, my little guy Lincoln, when I'm when I'm driving, he likes know, it. Big, he he'll he'll throw out the yoho. Really, he does. He likes it. So he throws it, it out more laugh. than I do. <laughs> you did. That's true. Very true. <laughs> he fills in for you when it comes to the yoho. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Sports Six back next in the fast lane. We're right back to the fast lane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is now. All right, time for the Sports Six Pack, 314-399-9646. Dan, I I do this from time to time, just in honor of you, but since you're here now, go ahead. Uh, Question one, please. There we go. Thank you, John Miller. Question number one. And uh, go right ahead. (laughs) All right. From the 314, hey, guys, would you rather see a huge step in Jordan Walker's game or an MVP year from Nolan Arnano? Uh, I would say a huge, a huge leap in Jordan Walker because I think you can still have a very success, successful offense and successful season, even if you don't have an MVP year out of Nolan. You know you're going to get great defense out of Nolan. I'm with you on this, and by all accounts, even if it's a down year, I would expect 20 home runs from Nolan Arenado. Yep. <clears throat> and if I get a breakout from Walker, I'm not sure what that ceiling would be. Mm-hmm. He's that good, yeah. I think, eventually. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but it's going to happen where you go, wow, is this guy a good player? So breakout season from Walker with some knowns that you have in this line. Like I, I think I know that Goldie's going to hit 20. Yeah. Arnado's going to hit 20. Uh, Contreras will be solid at the plate offensively. Um, I'd like to think I'm going to get an okay year out of Mason Wynn. Gorman's going to hit. Gorman's going to hit me 30. It's a 30. Yeah. yeah. He had so, 27 last year. He should hit 30 this year. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I look at uh, the breakout for Walker would be 
bigger for me. Go ahead, John. A question two, play. <laughs> question number two. From the 314, we actually had a lot of people asking this question. We were just talking about Miles Michaelis. From the 314, do you guys think that banning the the banning of the shift affected Miles Michaelis' ground ball outrage? Yes. I think it I think it impacted the entire Cardinals rotation to some degree last year. You didn't have a lot of guys that were strikeout pitchers. In fact, did you have did you have any? Jack Flaherty, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Ish. Yeah. You had a lot of guys that were that were just generating ground balls. And Nolan Arenado in the second half was much better defensively, but in the first half, he struggled. You didn't have the range that you're gonna have in Mason Wynn. The outfield that we talked Alec Burleson, how many starts did he did he did he have early on in the season in the outfield? He's not a great outfielder. And save the text. I know he didn't have errors. If you're judging defense by errors, I don't know. I don't I can't help you. Yeah, what do you say to a guy that gets a bad jump and a ball f- just right. drops right in front of him yeah. or he's got no range yeah, I didn't get any he didn't, didn't, didn't bobble the ball can't throw okay. the ball right all those things come into play Jordan Walker figuring out I'm not going to hammer the kid Jordan Walker's trying to figure out how to play the corner corner outfield spot it ain't easy that's what we had an interesting text somebody asked me and said you know why do you think um they didn't put him in left field typically I agree this isn't always the case so I think what the the, the text was asking you're a third baseman by trade, so you're going to see the ball. You're used to seeing it like a right-hander hitting it, pulling it, left-hander slapping it the other way, whatever. It doesn't always work that way. Typically, you can get better reads and right for guys that go from the infield to the outfield. Interesting. For whatever reason. Also, I think his arm plays a factor in this. He's got a big arm. You want it in right field. But it's from what I've been told, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but what I've been told is that um, it's a little easier to get reads and it's a little easier to teach the position in right as opposed to what you have to do in left. Because left can be bang, bang, right off the bat. Right. And from a right-hander, ball's going to tail a little bit. You know, left-hander, you're going to hook it a little bit. So you, you get those kind of things that seem to be a little bit easier to pick up the nuances in right than you do in left. I, I don't know why. And I'm just speaking from my own experiences. And, of course, my own experiences would include just high school. But I used to I used to feel more comfortable in left than I did right. I always felt more comfortable in right, and I missed a ton of balls. <laughs> <laughs> I was an infielder by trade. They put me in right field, and I was like, man, I am the ninth guy on this roster. I, I just don't like the way that the ball takes tails in right you get less i mean i, I realize when it's yes. slicing yeah and i realize you, you have to deal with the the a lot of times you're getting the ball hit more square i feel like in left now that's it's the tougher point. to judge you know you gotta so go back when a, when a ball is hit low and it's coming at it's the hardest ball to judge mm-hmm. that's why like the guys in center that get great jumps are amazing to me guys in left that get great jumps on balls are more impressive to me than the guys in right. Yeah. Just because a, a right-handed bat is going to pull it, it's going to be hard, and you can't have a false step. Right. Not at that level. No. I mean, you can't have a false step. No, it's a triple if you do. Yes. Uh, question three, please. Question number three. From the 636, what are you guys, uh, what are you guys, or what do you guys think is more likely to happen? Nolan Arenado hits 40 home runs, drives in 120. Or Kyle Gibson strikes out 180 batters with a 3.20 ERA. smokes. Hold on. Give us those numbers again. So we have Nolan Arenado. Yeah. Hitting 40 home runs, driving in 120. Mm. Or Kyle Gibson striking out 180 and having a 3.20 ERA. 
All right, so Arnado in three years in St. Louis because we, we you can't go back to Colorado because he did have 42 in Colorado and 41 in Colorado, but obviously that that's different ballpark and altitude and all that. He had 34 home runs his first year with the Cardinals, 32 years ago, and then 26 last year. So for him to go 26 to 40 is a huge jump. I think he could get. I think he could drive in 100. He did it twice already in three years and he had 93 last year so that's not a problem dan but the 40 home runs are going to be a bit problematic yeah i see gibson doing that although i don't see him doing that but i would say right. he'd have the better opportunity to do that i mean the guy has pitched almost 360 innings over the last two years so his he's developed a breaking ball by the way that was in the 94th percentile mm-hmm. in terms of that pitch so maybe you would get uh you know, a little bit better production out of that because he's going to have more chances to get strikeouts than I think Arenado would to get to 40. Yeah. Um, and plus, Ar- Nolan Arenado is, what, 33 years old? Not to say that Gibson is 20. Right. But I would just think there'd be more opportunities for strikeouts than he would to hit 45 home runs. That's asking a lot. How many strikeouts for Gibby? Mm, didn't see that. Did, did they did they th- say that with the strikeouts? Oh, Yeah. Sh- it said, uh, no, I don't see that. I wrote it down. I didn't write down his. strikeouts? Oh, man. Uh, he's not going to get to 180. I, I don't think. Uh, Will he get to 180 innings pitched? Oh, 180 innings pitched. No, that was not the question I'm asking you that right now. I think he'll get 180 80 innings. Yes. I do, too. Yeah. But not 180 strikeouts. No. I'll go with Arenado to get 40 home runs and 100 RBI. I, Kyle 120. Gibbs- RBI. Oh, man. <laughs> Just give me Arnado. <laughs> I don't think Kyle Gibson's not going to strike out 180. <laughs> he's never done that in his career. No. The closest he's gotten was in 2018, he had 179. So give me Arnado. Nolan Arnado. Give me him. I 45 for Arnado? 40. Oh, 40. Yeah. Yeah, that ain't going to happen either. (laughs) (laughs) Which pipe dream you want to take? I'll take the Nolan Arenado pipe dream. Yeah, that's the one. If you get 40 out of him and, let's say, 25 to 30 out of Goldie, 25 to 30 out of uh, Walker, and 30 30. plus from Nolan Gorman, you're going to win the division. (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) You you would think you're going to win a lot of games. I would think so. It's a lot of home runs. They haven't hit a home run yet this spring, though. Mm-hmm. But you know, them. Hey, you know what I think what happens in that first week of spring. That means what you're going to be for the rest of the season. Yeah, that usually makes sense. It usually hold, holds up. You know what, though? This team won the Grapefruit League Championship they're, last they're, year, they're and they champions. were terrible in the regular season. So maybe yeah. if they're terrible in spring training, they'll be good in the regular season. Yeah, the old reverse. Uh, I used to say that about the Rams. Ah, don't worry. They went 0 for 4 <laughs> in the preseason. <laughs> you had to say that a lot. They're going to save their wins. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, for when they moved to L.A. Yeah. Oh, Mark. I'm just saying. Come Let on. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Grow up, Marsh. All right. Why don't we carry this over? Question Ooh. four would be a holdover. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is now. (laughs) 
with Dan McLaughlin filling in for Kerry Davis. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Kerry's out sick today. Hopefully he gets an opportunity to get some rest in and be back tomorrow. Jamie Rivers is on the road as the Blues visit the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Pre-game starting right here on 101 ESPN at 630. Now, we didn't get to all of these sports six-pack questions, so Dan, without further ado. Well, is uh, <clears throat> do you remember John Miller with uh, some of the names? Carlos Beltran. Beltran. So I'll give you question quattro. <laughs> Question number four. What's it? What's his home run call? Adios, Pelota. That's right. <laughs> That's Adios, <awesome>. Pelota. <laughs> All right. So we got a text from the three one four that said y'all boring tonight. Mm. So that uh, made me wonder who's boring. He's just said y'all. So I'm assuming all three of us. We're just boring tonight. Well, Maybe well, he needs to be stabbed in the neck. Whoa. Maybe that's not so boring, huh? Watch yourself, Stalter. You bad. watch it. Yeah, we did get a text earlier. My bad. About physical violence, apparently. You know, I am the new guy to the. I've, I've probably bored this thing up. There's no question about it, and I'm okay with that. I'm going to live nah. beyond this show and get a good night's sleep and get ready for the morning drive tomorrow, the opening drive. Here's the thing. Yeah. We've had fun. I'm sure other texters have had fun. This uh, gentleman doesn't have fun. Hmm. How do I put this? I don't care. There you go. You are all over. The thing is about Anthony, too, he's all over the text line. Mm-hmm. I love the text line. You're beholden mm-hmm. to it. I love the text he line. He stares at it every single day. They give me crap. Day. I give them crap. <laughs> it's how we express love. The text line and I express love. Do you ever... Um, you ever look at the text Not line? <laughs> I, don't. I don't. If you have ever received a text from me, it wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> so when you re- you reply to the text, you don't put uh, AS for Anthony I, Stalter. I would at this point. I don't. Even, we have a new text line, fairly new. Within, the, I don't even know how to get into the text line. I don't. It's about a year old. <laughs> 636 says that I think the show was awesome. Thank you, yeah. 636. And it's still going. Hey, still we going. appreciate you. We still got you. time. Yeah. We get 23 minutes to go of this quality radio program. Listen, we are not going to listen to one person, okay? You're moving Especially on. Especially if it's negative. Question five, please. If it's positive, we're going to listen to you. Oh, yeah. We like you. You betcha. Go ahead, Marsh. I have a question uh, about this, though. Oh. Uh, so... Obviously, this texture says we're boring. What show, <laughs> radio or TV, growing up that everybody loved, but you found to be boring? What show or, uh, yeah, well, I'll throw wow, a movie in there, man, too. that maybe. is a good question. Yeah. Okay. Like, a lot of people, the consensus, I think, in the general public is people love friends, but there's a lot of people that don't like friends. Right. They um, find it to be boring. Okay, I'm glad you put movie out there. Yeah, I'll throw a movie in there, yeah, too. Yeah, like a movie that everybody loves, and I'm like, this is boring AF. Mm-hmm. Um, what movie can I say that would tick them, tick people off? I mean, really get them Wait, going. While, while, while you're thinking of that, we got a text from 618. I thought Stalter answered text with dash A-S-S. No. Well, that would be... <laughs> That'd be different. A... Oh, it's not my initials. Yeah. It's ATS. ATS. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get where you're coming from, though. Okay, I got one for you. The ending, phenomenal. The Which m- one? The the movie. Oh. I found to be a tad slow, tad boring. Usual suspects. I think I'm in there with you. Ending, phenomenal. Yeah. To get to the ending. Ah. Kevin Spacey wait. was incredible in that movie. He was, but maybe I got maybe I got to watch it again. Maybe I have to watch it again. 
It takes a little bit to get going. Yeah. I mean, they get them all together, and then they're kind of going against each other. Yeah, there's yeah. a little sidetrack action sure. going. And then the end, Kitsy, and you're like, oh, wow, that was awesome. What's the, the villain's name? Suze, uh, Sizer Cozy. Sizer Cozy. Sizer Cozy. Mm. I got another one for you. You ever, uh, you ever see the movie Doubt? Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's who was brilliant, obviously yes. now passed away. Also in Hunger Games. Also in Hunger Games. We had that reference earlier today in the gauntlet. Uh, doubt. Boring AF. Nothing happens. I can't stand. A-S-S and then A. Got it. No, A-T-S. Oh. A-T-S. Got it. <laughs> I don't like movies where nothing happens for two and a half hours. Or it's like a real life thing. Like, oh, this drama, it's gripping. I don't want real... I, I'm living life. I don't want to watch a movie where people are, like, struggling. You know? Give me action. Somebody said uh, James Bond movies are a little oh. slow, kind of boring. All right. Eh. Kaiser Sosa. Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Sose. I think it's Sose, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. Like, uh, Sammy Sose. <laughs> As uh, Sammy Sose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Seinfeld, Mash. Yeah, I like Seinfeld. Uh, Super Bad. I I love Super Bad. Super Bad's funny. Great. Uh, Power Rangers. No, nah, not my. That's, that's, I, that was after. Wasn't me. on my bingo card. Mash was before my time. Uh, Power Rangers after my time. Lord of the Rings. You guys like Curb Your Enthusiasm? I haven't seen it, but I think really? I would like it because I I I did like Seinfeld. I was a Seinfeld. I fan. think you'd love it. And if you like that, Larry David or so. Yeah, it's a little, little uptick of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to figure out. Oh, rest in peace, Richard Lewis, who passed away today. He's oh, got a really? he's a prominent character on Wow Curb Your Enthusiasm. But I was just thinking about huh. that. Yeah, Boy, somebody rest- said go back and watch Gladiator. Now, 20 years later, it's actually not good that good of a film. I just watched it two weeks ago, and I thought it was better this time than the other hundred times I've watched it. Wow. Yeah, I, I love Gladiator. I wouldn't think that Gladiator. I would think that Gladiator would hold up, but maybe I'm not, not necessarily a fan of Gladiator movies. No, I just, I just uh, enjoy <laughs> Gladiator, Gladiator. <laughs> with Russell Crowe. We better move on to question six, please. The Gladiator. We're skipping five. No, oh, question five. Question please. five, please. Question number five. Anthony, I got to get your take on uh, one of your favorite players. Unfortunately, today... This is going to be a non-favorite player of mine. This is going to be a player I don't like. Uh, one of your favorite players got released today, and uh, $12 million came off the books. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Uh, MVS, no longer a part of Chief Kingdom or Red Kingdom. Yeah. How do you feel about that, being a uh, lifelong, diehard Chiefs fan well, I get, for about listen, a month? I, it, it wasn't a month. It was two weeks. Okay. <laughs> and I said that, you know, I, I even though they didn't want me, I thanked... Chief Chief Kingdom for allowing me to roll with them for the Super Bowl. But I thought Brandon Kylie, who is a diehard Chiefs fan and always been a Chiefs fan, I thought he he really summarized the Marquez Valdez Scantling era very well. If I can find his tweet on this. Yeah, he goes, I will choose to remember MVS the the way I remember Sammy Watkins. An objectively bad regular season signing, but the Chiefs don't win three Super Bowls without their contributions. I thought that was well said. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had the game-winning catch against, who was it, Buffalo? And then, no, he he had the outstanding catch coming at a halftime 
against Buffalo and the game-winning catch, basically, in the AFC Championship game against Baltimore, and then wound up catching a super uh, a touchdown in the in the Super Bowl to put them up. So, Kylie, I thought, put it perfectly, but terrible in the regular season. Mm-hmm. I would have cut him. I would have cut him you when he put the cut him. Yeah, when he dropped the ball against the Eagles. Like, why do I have you on the roster? Mm. But then we found out. Good thing they didn't cut him. Good thing I'm not running the Chiefs because they're actually successful. I would run them into the ground. Remember the show American Gladiators? Oh yeah. Have you seen the Netflix yes. documentary on it? So Kerry Davis and I did you did you watch that show? Yes. Dan? Yes. So Kerry and I were talking about this, and we loved American Gladiators when we were growing up. Right? We did not know all the stuff. That behind we now the know behind the scenes yeah. with the Netflix. I sat there just like my childhood was crushed watching that. I didn't know they didn't get paid, basically. They treat they were treated like garbage. Yeah. I was shocked at that thing too. I mean it's good. It was a good, you know, short series on yeah. Netflix, but I I felt dirty watching it. There's a lot of uh different things happening behind the scenes. Yeah. Um there was some steroid usage. Steroids? Yeah. Which didn't shock me when I found out that part of it. No. I also... They were doing tours and like uh, three or four nights of just... Getting pummeled. Getting pummeled. It's no <laughs> they, fun. They would shoot like three episodes in one day. Yeah. And you think like, well, they're big and whatever. But if you have... I don't care how big you are. You have athletes that want to take you out to prove that they're, you know, they they, they can beat you. And you got that one where they're just swinging into them with yeah. this foam pad. It's like a catcher's protector, basically, that they have. Inch of foam. Yeah. And they're just getting crushed show after show after show, making no like, money. Like all the, the things that they had to take to take away the pain, yeah. the painkillers and all that stuff. Yeah, that was nasty. Mm-hmm. I think we have one more question before we head to a break, and that would be question six, please. Question number six. From the 314, is this version of the Cardinals prepared for a tough April? Sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah. They have veteran leaders now. Dodgers will come into that series probably 2-0 and because they start overseas against San Diego. Yeah, San Diego would give them some strep. I don't know. Then they can line up Yamamoto again for game one at home. Mm-hmm. You're going to see Tyler Glass now. You're going to see a loaded lineup. You're going to be tested in the first four games, and then you have San Diego. And you know Mike Schilt is going to be ready for that series. Oh, yeah. In a big way. That's going to be his World Series. It's going to be a tough seven-game road trip to start the season off on. Yeah. I think if they can play like 500 through the first month of the season, you're going to be okay. That's yeah. I'm good with 500 based on the opponents. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy. You got Arizona in there. You got um, Milwaukee's in there a couple of times. Somebody else. It's pretty good. Do you have Oakland? That that you should win. Philly. Philly. That's the other one I was thinking of. Yep. All right. Yeah, they'll be fine. Sure, they will. No issues. Yep. Bet the board. Three stars of the day. Criticisms, compliments, all coming at you next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
If you missed anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or your 101ESPN mobile app, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. So we had Jamie Rivers on for the first two hours, covered a lot of blues with him, and then my guy Dan McLaughlin stepped in, uh, thankfully, with Kerry Davis being sick and Jamie on the road. And Dan and I talked to a lot of Cardinals in the second half of the show. We sure did. Had some fun. Always Shared fun. a few laughs. Oh, God, yes. Some tears. It was great. I did not get overly emotional in this show. Yeah. Uh, more yeah, just, just it'll hit you later. Yeah, when I listen to the podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, it's got you know I'll probably exactly do right. that when I'm at the MAC. You know that is our MAC, our MAC, Missouri <laughs> Athletic Club. You know I miss you down there because you're not doing mornings. I don't see you down there now. Well, you're just not getting up early enough. Oh, you're going real early. Sure, I'm there by two thirty. <laughs> no, I'm not there by 2.30. I'm sleeping until I have to get up. <laughs> 2.30. The old Dan McLaughlin workout. Yeah, not a chance. Nah. No. All right. Uh, let's play bet the board here. Uh, Dan, you're going you're yeah. gonna to fill in for – who's he filling in for, Jamie or Kerry? I feel like – Probably, Jam- probably Jamie. Jamie, right? Jamie. All right. So, Dan, go ahead and make your play okay. for the one and only – Jamie Rivers. So Florida tonight uh, minus 12 and a half against Missouri. I'm taking the Gators. All right. I'm sorry, the Mizzou fans, Gator but I'm taking the Gators. Shop. Uh, Kerry Davis. Did he text you his play? He did not. However, okay. I really feel like Kerry would like the Los Angeles Clippers at minus <laughs> 150 over the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay, there you go. He's always on the Clippers. There you go. So we're going to give him the Clippers, and if he wins tonight, if the Clippers if the Clippers just win tonight, Kerry wins the month of uh, February. Ooh, wow! It's been kind of tight. It's been back and forth. What do you get if you win? We don't get anything. The, the, the uh, listener gets a one-on-one ESPN prize back. Okay, mm-hmm. which includes T-shirts, stuff, prizes, prizes, prizes. Yeah, whatever. Basically, we can find in our prize closet. Yeah, absolutely. Which, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about like a glossy of you? You know, like a mm. Anthony Stalter. Nice like, picture. Nice Marshy. picture. Marshy, yeah. it could be from the summer or maybe long hair or a beard. Yeah. Could be both. Different kinds of Marshy. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Maybe it's an album color cover. Wow. <laughs> of Marsh. <laughs> I'll have to earn that one. Yeah, that's true. All right, I'm going to take Auburn plus six and a half against Tennessee. Tennessee. Mm, I like that play. play tonight. Thank you, sir. I Auburn. like that play. Auburn, what was that? Plus six and a half against Tennessee. Both 21 and six on the year. Tennessee's been outstanding at home, but I think Auburn gives them a game. Marsh. Mm. I'm going to try this again. I'm going to go with Connor McDavid over three and a half shots on goal. He let you down last time. He did, and that's okay because the Blues won. Maybe they'll win again tonight. Maybe. Yeah. Marsh- Not if they play like they did last night. No, or in Detroit. Either way. Mm. E. Marsh, mm. what do we got for criticisms and compliments? Lots of compliments for Danny Mac. Yeah. Uh, here's oh, that's one so from sweet. The 314. I miss having Dan on the fast lane. We dev too. I miss you guys too, more than you know. Oh, Dan. You know, I had so much fun in the summer with you guys, and Carrie was on the mornings, and Jamie was <laughs> out and about doing Jamie things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I miss you guys. You make it fun. Miss so it. Thank no, you. you. You make it easy, man. You make it easy to work with. You we too. Appreciate you. Uh, and now this is a new thing, Dan, that you have not experienced. But we have our three stars of the day. Mm-hmm. I haven't experienced, but I listen. Unlike uh, my partner over there, who doesn't <sighs> listen, listen to the morning show. I, I do. I text you sometimes while you're on air. Yeah, that's true. I, I bother you while you're on air. All right, so let's get to it. Our third star of the day goes to. 
you President Snow. All right, President Snow. Right. Cornelius <laughs> Snow. Snow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our second star of the day goes to Anthony's favorite player, MVS. MVS, probably be a Falcon. There you go. <laughs> Knowing my luck. <laughs> probably will be. <laughs> yep. No question about it. They'll overpay him. And our third, first star goes our to hockey star. in no. uh, the gauntlet. It goes to Danny Mac. <laughs> yeah, filling in, baby. Oh, yes. Yeah. Filling in today. Feels good, I got to tell you. Dan, uh, congratulations on that first star. Thanks, buddy. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Opening drive with uh, Randy Carricker and Brooke Rimsley. All you right. got it. That'll do it for us. Don't forget, we have Blues Hockey pregame starting at 630. Do what for I love Andrew Marsh, Dan McGawkin, I'm Anthony Stalter. See you. <laughs> You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.